Greetings, everyone, and welcome to The Stacks. This, as always, is Jay. And I'm Shanna Connery. I'm going to do the whole episode like this. Oh, my God. No, No, I'm not. No, no, definitely not. Oh, my Lord. (laughs) Can you imagine? (laughs) It is not a good enough Connery impression. (laughs) Uh, There's... I. I listen to Blank Check podcast. I don't know if you do very often. I know you do sometimes. Here and there. They had two people on for train spotting too. And one of the guys, his whole bit the entire episode is he pretended to be British, but just with a really low quality, lazy, kind of half done British accent the entire episode. (laughs) And I get the bit. It was a little annoying. Most of it, it kind of petered out most of the episode. Like most of the time he was just talking in his regular voice, but man, the fan base hated it so much. They went insane. Anyway, (laughs) our first film this week is Dirty Ho. (laughs) This is my favorite. This is my favorite title of one of these. Uh, This one of these, of course, being a Shaw Brothers Kung Fu movie. Yeah. Uh, it's got my favorite freeze frame of all of them and maybe my favorite gimmick. I don't know. Yeah, I could maybe agree with you on all of those. Uh, like I still prefer eight diagram pole fighter as my number one, but this is up there. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. I like the, I like that they always manage to do something different for all of these and they make so many of them, but they're never the same. Uh, so this is directed by Lau Kar Lung from 1979. He also directed Eight Diagram Pole Fighter and a bunch of stuff. Like we, we've seen a whole bunch of his movies. Yeah, we've we've only talked about a few on the show, but over the last couple of years, we've watched a lot of these. Yeah, and I think this guy in particular, we've just watched a lot of his because he does. Let's see, we did Shaolin Mantis. I know we watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, Legendary Weapons of China. Uh, Have you seen 36 Chamber of Shaolin? Another really influential one that he did. I don't think I've seen that one. That one's good. And he did uh, the Jackie Chan Drunken Master in uh, Drunken Master 2 in like the 90s. So he he was like around for a real long stretch. Oh, right on. Uh, This one's great. Just it's the first comedy slapstick kung fu that we've covered yes um i thought you were going to say the first one we've watched and i don't think that's true but definitely the first funny one that we've covered yeah i mean a lot of them have humor but this is the first one that is a comedy kung fu Mm -hmm. like the the kung fu style is comedic (laughs) it's it's almost like a looney tunes or mr magoo kung fu well, it's invisible kung fu. He's pretending to be this uh, clumsy, cowardly, rich guy. But, you know, it, it's it's almost a Clark Kent thing. He's uh, actually this incredibly talented martial artist who just, you know, he, he's, he, it, it's a private study. It's not for other people. Yeah, yeah. He, he's not entering into tournaments. He... He really just wants to be left alone to live his life in peace. Yeah, and it's also Game of Thrones, basically. It's just he's not interested in participating in it. Like, the the (laughs) overarching plot is a Game of Thrones thing. When you play the Game of Thrones, you either win or you die. Well, then I just won't play. 
Yeah, he's like, I'd rather not. I'm not interested in, you know, assassins are coming for him. It's like, I don't, under, I just want to have riches and do kung fu and look at paintings and drink wine. I don't want to be the emperor. Stop trying to assassinate me. I don't care about that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. So one of the things I guess that particularly about this is that it's got this real focus on riches uh, it, it opens with riches, just black-clad men excitedly digging through these treasure chests. Oh, yeah. I liked the opening sequence of this, too. It has, like, the opening credits. It was just mm. everybody in a white background just demonstrating some of the stuff that we're going to be seeing. Well, it's basically just a preview of the whole movie. It's doing several of the battles in an abstract expressionist form. Because we've got our man Ho... Uh, Wang Yu, who is, or Wang Yu, sorry, Wang Yu, uh, who's great. He's very funny. He's got his trademark head bandage with the white square with the black circle in it. <laughs> yeah, he gets a um, a kind of a hilarious head injury uh, later on. It looks so gross at first, but it well, really not does. at first, but like the next day or the the next time we catch up with him with it not healing. But, yeah. You know, he jumps in, he battles these guys who are digging through these riches. And I don't want to say just in terms of the riches, it extends to the whole movie where the sets in this are probably the prettiest sets I've seen in any of these. Oh, for sure. Um, like the opening where the first huge chunk of the movie takes place, this uh, entertainment boat is just, I oh, want yeah. to go there. It's the most elaborate and lush set design I've seen from any of these Shaw Brothers uh, Kung Fus. Because you, you get very similar set design in most of them. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they reuse a lot of locations and elements. Oh, I figured they would have to, the way they churn these out. They made so <laughs> many of these. Well, I'm, I'm sure they've reused the same hotel. Oh, for sure. And there's lots of things that just like, I've seen elements of these towns that they just kind of shift around. I, I think it's like modular backlot stuff. <laughs> so Ho comes in, he he battles these black clad men and the close up fight choreography in this. We we get a hint of it here where he's just doing he's doing some of those invisible kicks and that shit fucking rules. You know, just the, the, the invisible kicks. They're fucking incredible. Yes. So what we mean with the uh, with the invisible kicks is that they're kicks that if you're not looking at his feet, you don't know that he's kicking because his upper half is completely still, uh, just like he's walking down the street. You can't. It's like a stealth kind of kung fu. Yeah, he he's kicking people very close up. Uh, the it, it's not just the kicks, but also the punches. They're incognito. They're, you're you're doing kung fu without people seeing it around you. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of the opposite of the Kung Fu that we're used to, which is often all about the spectacle. Right. And Ho obviously still is tied to some of the spectacle versus Wang, uh, our main guy, Wang, or Prince Eleven, as he will turn <laughs> out to be. Uh, Secret Prince. Secret Prince. So, uh... You know, after Ho beats with all of these dudes, you know, these random black clad dudes, he digs into the jewels and he like throws it triumphantly in the air. So we, we do get a sense of him not really being as restrained. 
Yeah, I love Ho because while he does get better at Kung Fu, as a person throughout the movie, he does not grow at all. No, he never learns any sort of manners. He's very dim. He's the dumbest protagonist we've yet encountered in a Kung Fu movie. Yeah. Like not even close. There, there's no one else who even comes near him. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's true. <laughs> uh, so Gordon Liu is the 11th prince. And he comes in. Gordon Liu is a fucking legend. You, you've seen him in other stuff. I uh, must have. Well, he's, I believe, in Kill Bill, for instance. Oh, know? oh, okay, cool. He, he he's still around he's still doing stuff he's johnny moe in the kill bill movies oh okay cool uh but let's see here i mean he was in eight diagram pole fighter he was fifth brother in that he's one of the main characters i think he is the main character of uh 36 chamber he's the guest star in legendary weapons oh okay you know, which we also covered, or we we didn't cover it. We watched it. Mm-hmm. That was, I but, think, you know, that was one of the first ones we watched. Yeah, and he's he's one of the monks, the Shaolin fighting monks in Shaolin Mantis. I mean, he's in so much stuff. Oh yeah, well, and he is fucking great in this. He is so good. <laughs> he is really good. So he starts out. He he comes out after Ho throws up all the jewelries and stuff, and he shows some cool sword moves. We get him fighting some dudes with swords. Yeah, I, I like how his starts with like him at the front and everybody just kind of bowing to him. is like, oh, yes, your highness. And he lo- just looks really awkward about it before the fighting starts. Yeah, he's not into that shit. Not at all. Like he's into being rich and <laughs> like having people serving him, but he, he doesn't want to be royalty. He just wants to hang out with people who have, you know, vintage wines and antiques and just you know, drink that shit in. Yeah, but responsibility. Who? What's that? No, I mean he'll he's he's not going to be rude to underlings. He's totally going to pay people very well and be very polite. But you know, it's like I, I don't want to be worshipped. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it just, just makes you a target for assassins. And then, uh, well, speaking of assassins, the next sequence is the two of them doing like a back to back against this horde of archers which sort of uh uh predicts the climax of the movie or sort of is an expression of the climax of the movie later on i like how the archers in this get to do some cool moves too like they've got these jumps and they do this one uh, cheerleader pyramid formation kind of thing yeah i mean everybody's kung fu is pretty good it's just it's hard to be as good as wang with his just sort of incredible invisible kung fu mm-hmm also, I want to note that the music, the, like the fanfare, the opening fanfare, fucking rocks. It's a really good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, that's one of the cool things with this set is the final two discs. I think are a selection of music from all of the films, and this stuff is on there. Oh, cool, cool! I I gotta listen to that. Yeah, it rules. So, like in these three minutes. The opening credits, just in a white void. We've seen more action than most films, <laughs> like most entire <laughs> movies. Well, most most non-kung fu movies, I'll say. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's an amount of kung fu that's reasonable for the first half of a kung fu movie. But there's a lot here just in this just huge opening. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- we, we go to the party boat. 
again, just the the set design, fucking dense, beautiful, uh, rich, so like, colorful. Oh, very colorful, and it emphasizes just the richness and wealth of all of the environments this is in. This is always taking place in rarefied, high class environments. There's nothing taking place in just you know normal people places in this one. Yeah, no, no, because uh, cause Dirty Ho just came into some money, and he doesn't have to, so now he doesn't have to bother with all that uh, well, poor people shit. Came into came it. Came into <laughs> yeah. well, It's debatable. Yeah. So uh, he's going by Master Ho, very imperious here. He's sort of holding court in or on the party boat in in it, it's like an upscale restaurant with uh, lots of attending geishas mm-hmm. and and here i thought he actually like just from this introduction that he actually is somebody right he's playing it like he is but it, it takes a little while to uh, learn who both of our guys are they're both sort of incognito or undercover not incognito so much for on ho's side mm-hmm. <laughs> he's really playing it up <laughs> But there's also our 11th prince, Master Wang, is what he's going by here. And he's at sort of a nearby table on another boat. Like, you got to go through uh, a set of doors, and he he seems to be on, like, a separate barge or something. I don't know. Yeah, there's, like, a little bridge between them. Uh, Yeah, they're, they're like, these, I guess a bunch of different floating boats connected together. I want to just go there. It's so cool. Oh, it's great. It it feels like a James Bond location, speaking of our second uh, film. It does, kind of. Yeah. And kind of all the locations do. That's sort of the thing with this one. It has that richness. Mm-hmm. So one of the, the main contrast we see is Wang is way more pleasant of a guest. He's so much more polite. He's uh, just speaking on antiques. He's very interested. He's very engaged with everyone. And he's not ordering people around or telling people what to do, which is completely Master Ho's thing. Oh, yeah. The first thing Ho actually says is, what? How could you be late? Why are you late? What the fuck? Yeah. How dare you? And a dispute erupts between them, sort of, mainly on Ho's side, but it it goes back and forth because both of them want to hire these same geishas, Crimson and Ice. Yeah. And uh, Master Wang, of course... Being the uh, upscale socialite uh, proper person that he is, he books them in, in advance. He had to book them in advance. So this is why he is kind of put off. Uh, yeah. And Ho's there just trying to make a big show of his wealth. <laughs> he He's like, ah, you know what? Uh, we'll all do rice wine shots for gold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The madam goes to... To Master Wang, and she's like, "Yeah, I know that you booked these two geishas, but uh, Master Ho is making it rain over there." Yeah, and like we we hear the roar from the other uh, other room. Shots, 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 shots. <laughs> yeah, I mean, these are like solid gold bars that he's putting on these rice shots. I, I, oh, I'd yeah, be all yeah. over that too. They're they're fairly small denominations, but it's still like literal gold bars, like five tails and ten tails. I think is uh, the the sizes of them. It's it's not nothing money. But of course, Wang has way more cheddar to throw around. Like it, oh. <laughs> it counter. He just counters like, well, I got some fat stacks. Check this out. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is Benjamin. This is, I got these Benjamins here. 
Well, yeah, it's like, how about a game of Lucky Dip, ladies? And he just spreads out all of these, uh, you know, huge bills. So they're worth between 10 and 50 tails each. Right, which the, the lowest denomination of them is as much as any of the gold bars. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we're, we're, we're doing kind of a gambling thing, but it's not even gambling. We're just like giving money away more and more extravagantly. <laughs> yeah, just... Pull some money out of a jar, basically. <laughs> it's it's the Mr. Beast uh, kung fu fight. <laughs> <laughs> so Ho basically throws a tantrum. You know, he, he just <laughs> gets he he throws a complete shit fit over it. Do you know who I am? Do you think I couldn't afford to book the geishas in advance? He like comes over to Wang's table. He's got his treasure chest of jewelry, which is what he <laughs> stole to get here. Yeah, yeah. And then as they're all about to go off with him, he's like, Wang's like, wait a second, hold on. And he pulls out a bigger treasure chest of of better jewelry. Yeah, he's like, oh, uh, one of those, huh? Like, check this out. Uh, And he he opens it up like, you know, I've got a bigger one of those. I've got just way more of that. Would would you guys like some? I mean, you could have some, I guess. (laughs) I think it was. It's right around here that the cops show up, isn't it? No, oh, no, they have to fight first. Yeah, because uh, Ho starts a fight over this. Once the other chest comes out, he uh, it, it's turf war essentially. It's like all of the two orphan vampire stuff. It's like, well, two rich people can't be in the same place at once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which and... obviously is a mistake on Ho's side. He does not understand the ways of the wealthy. He will never. Uh, he he has no class consciousness, and he'll never be able to rise above his station. <laughs> nope. As he intimidates this poor, clumsy man who just <laughs> wants to enjoy his uh, antiques and wine. Right. He's uh, Wang is posing as a jewel merchant from Beijing. Uh, uh, you know what, though, says Ho. I'm also in the same profession as you, whatever that might be. <laughs> right. Uh, th- yeah, well, we're in the same profession, and... I, I think this is sort of the interesting point where Ho or not Ho Wang always knows what's going on. He understands that Ho is a thief, but Wang also understands that Ho is kind of pretending he's a jeweler. He's like, well, I'm also a jeweler, but Ho assumes that he means he's in the same profession as him and thinks he's also a thief. Um... He never gets it, it takes him half of the movie before he finally understands that he's neither a jeweler nor a thief, but it takes a while for him to disabuse himself of the notion that he's a thief. Yeah. Well, it takes him a while. It takes him a very long time to realize that Wang is competent. Oh, my man is not the quickest. And this is where it starts because he started that fight. And uh, I I really love his polite foo. I I guess uh, polite foo, non-fighting, the invisible kicks and stuff yeah. here he just wraps himself entirely around ho <laughs> he, 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 like, yeah, but he's, he... <laughs> he's, he's like a, a serpent man <laughs> but he makes it look like ho's the one holding him right. and he, his look on his face is like hey man let me down i don't want to be up here man let me down and ho he can see him trying to let him down yeah, well, he does like a flying crotch to the face grab and just sort of wraps around him. He's like, oh, oh, what's happening? <laughs> and that's when the police show up because they, they got to break this up. And also, 
some jewels were stolen from the minister's house. A whole chest of them. (laughs) (laughs) And and suddenly, Master Ho, Master Ho just suddenly isn't really that uh, possessive of the jewels anymore. He's just like, jewels, I don't know whose they are. He is. He's still very possessive of them because Wang claims both of the chests. He's like, oh, no, no, these are both mine. Uh, Because first, he's like, oh, I have have, uh, proof that these are mine. And he shows his seal. He's like, this is the seal of the provincial commander-in-chief. He's got a scroll. He's got the stamp. Yeah. Yeah, I love how as he's showing the scroll, he shows like the chief cop guy, his stamp thing. And for some reason, first time I watched this, I thought it meant he was like the equivalent of like a stonecutters or CIA secret right. prints didn't occur to me. Right. And they're not really making clear what it is. They are just showing that he obviously has more power than what he's claiming to have. Like he's telling yeah. Ho that he's a jeweler, but as soon as he gets these other actual authority figures, he's like, I'll let you in. Like th- this is, this is who I am. I'm, I'm much bigger than that. And they're like, Oh, Oh shit. Okay. We'll back off. And he's like, okay, well, my friend, though, here, he's really intoxicated. And I was like, yep, yep. Yeah, he starts drunk. acting drunk. He starts doing some fake drunk acting. <laughs> so you need to take him home, and I'll safeguard the jewels for him. Where, you know, Ho starts getting pissed off. He's like, wait, those are, you can't take, wait, uh, hang on. Because <laughs> <laughs> he can't claim them. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's sort of uh, boned, and he he like makes a pretty big show of having so sobered up like a block away. <laughs> yeah. Well, the uh, fresh air sure did sober me up real sober now. Huh? Thanks. Oh yeah. No, this is perfect. We're going to be totally fine. And he doubles back. Uh, he he <laughs> heads back over to the boat, but of course Wang has already taken off. He knows. Yeah. He's much oh, smarter. Yeah. <laughs> so next day, Ho tracks down Wang. Uh, he's doing a vintage wine tasting now, you know, Gotta always be doing something classy. Oh, sure. I mean, that's that's why he's here. He's never been to this town, and they've got, like, special Cantonese wine here. Well, yeah, and there are all sorts of wines from, like, previous dynasties. They're uh, really rich, expensive, old-school vintage wines, so a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. And Ho shows up, and he's like, well, I know we're in the same profession. He was like, yeah. We're, we're both jewelers, I guess. And he he just sort of agrees <laughs> that they're in the same profession. He doesn't say anything about being a jeweler, but Ho continues to think like, oh, okay, he's agreeing that we're both in the same profession, that we're both thieves. Like, okay, I know how to deal with this guy. But of course he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, he like bursts into the wine tasting like, and you just scammed me out of this. Right, he's saying like, no, no, this this person's also a jeweler, and he doesn't realize that he is saying that he is in fact a jeweler, that he's not a thief. He kind of thinks that he's telling the other, like he's sort of letting him in on the scam, and like, no, no, both of us are jewelers, not thieves. We're we're doing this thing, <laughs> and a blind guy shows up, quote unquote. Oh right, <laughs> I love I love this bit. This guy, he he's got palm readings. I'm going to give you some Buddhist palm readings. Uh, How does a blind man read a palm? Don't worry about it. Well, you know, you feel it. You you feel the lifelines. So True. there's also a hunchback. 
There's a one-armed man. There's a man with one leg. They're the fake crippled Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> the Handicap Four. Yeah, the Handicap Four. And they overhear Ho bitching about the jewels that he feels have been scammed from him. You know, he stole them fair and square. How's this guy going to steal them from him? Yeah, yeah. Well, where are the really expensive jewels? They're really expensive jewels. I don't have them on my person. Well, I want the really expensive jewels. And these guys are like, jewels, huh? Yeah, like, hey, we're the handicap four. You know, we, we overheard you talking about some riches. I love that this movie has two themed gangs. Oh, yeah. I don't like the second gang very much. I think they're, they're the low point of the movie, honestly. Except they have the payoff of the Invisible Kicks, which is maybe the single high point of the movie. Maybe. I I feel like the second gang isn't as cohesive. No, I agree. They're, they're too much. It's it's a little bit too more too much tilted toward the comedy end, and it's just them doing all these very effeminate performances i don't know it's a weird one yeah but yeah the the fake crippled avengers that rules that's so funny <laughs> it does feel like it's intentionally a parody of crippled avengers oh it totally does because they're all fake so each of them they yeah. have these supposed disabilities but each of them it's all just a show <laughs> you, you could you could clearly see the dude's uh arm hidden in yeah in his robe well, he, or the guy like just not only that he keeps switching sides <laughs> <laughs> that's true too <laughs> the hunchback's hunch is obviously a pillow yeah no it's it's super fake uh so first up the blind guy he he's the one who has the first battle he says he has his buddhist palm technique which is you know that this is getting into wuxia territory but obviously it's not real so it doesn't matter no. and Ho, he, you know, he grabs a jug and he's going to do some drunken fist stuff. And it's like, how can you do drunken fist? You're not drunk. Like, it's going to be woken fist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, the woke mob has affected the kung fu movies. And in between all of this, we kind of just see Wang chilling in the background. <laughs> I, he's got his feet up. He's drinking some wine again. And he keeps like moving the wine bottles away from people like, hey, don't break that. That's good wine. <laughs> he's got somebody serving. Him. Yeah, he's he's just spectating. He's like, OK, you know, this will be fun. Let's watch this thing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so the one legged guy comes next. They they battle like he's got his crutch that he's using as his uh, weapon. Yeah, it's cool. It's like like a giant tonfa. It's fucking rad. The way they like spin it around. It's it's really cool. I really like this mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And uh then there's the hunchback. He fights him with a bench. Yeah, it, like a sawhorse or it was just it, a this bench. Gave me Jackie. Yeah. yeah. It is Jackie Chan-esque. I I do feel like just the comedic kung fu of the 70s all has a very similar flavor and they all sort of come out of the style of uh, the early Jackie Chan with the first Drunken Master movie. Was was that before this? Oh, yeah, that's a few years before this. Oh, okay, okay. I, I wasn't sure when Jackie Chan actually started. Uh, I do have his first few, which we should totally do. I actually just got a ton of uh, Jackie Chan movies. Actually, no, oh, cool. the first Drunken Master is from 78. So it's probably oh, okay. really in the zeitgeist right then, because it was huge right out the bat. Right, right. Um, yeah, I've only seen like the Hollywood Jackie Chan. Right. Uh, I mean, some of those are pretty good. 
especially the they can the be. earliest ones like rumble in the bronx has a lot of fun uh and i've heard that was and a bunch of them are just you know uh they they redubbed and added a few scenes from his existing hong kong shit which was already rad like super cop mm-hmm. that was one of the ones i've heard was good and uh operation condor that one was rad that one's just uh, a previous one uh jackie chan was in come drink with me but it was such a small role we didn't even notice it when we covered it oh yeah nope uh i'm, I'm just uh on his wiki picture god there's so much man uh, he's <laughs> he is so prolific uh so he was in hapkido which i watched recently uh he's in some early like he's got some cameos in a bunch of the bruce lee stuff but okay i think the first big one is killer meteors or don't know it <laughs> i've got it so we'll, we'll have to do that one sometime. That's in a new set that just came out from uh, Shout Factory. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, Hand of Death. I've got that one as well. Shaolin Woodenmen. 36 Crazy Fists I watched pretty recently. Snake in the Eagle's Shadow is one I've got that uh, is pretty early. And th- those are all like, th- that's all like 76 to 78. So use a huge rising star really fast. Oh, wow. I I. Yeah, I didn't realize he's been he'd been around for that long. Somehow I thought he started in the 90s. Oh, no, he had a whole huge career throughout the 80s, which those that's all his best material. You got to see the police story movies. Those are crazy. All right, we'll have to do that sometime. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the the handicap four fight we, we gradually un, unravel that all of them are fake. You know, the one-legged guy, he does have another leg. It's just he's you know, standing on one. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just hopping. Yeah. Uh, he like fakes like he's gonna fall down, and then just stops with the other one, like ha ha. Right, and I am not left-handed. And and of course, the one-armed swordsman who is dressed like the one-armed swordsman from the movie, the one-armed swordsman. I think it's also a jab at that intentionally, because again, it's not really a guy with one arm playing the one-armed swordsman. It's a guy with the an arm hidden in his shirt. So that's what they're just doing. Yeah. I, lo- I love how Ho deals with him. It's like, Hey, you can't use two hands. You're going to break character. Let me just put that arm back for you and ties it back up. Yeah, let's just tie that back in the shirt. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Ho pretends to get hit. He, he does that thing where he jumps behind the wine bottles and the uh, art swordsman, he plunges his sword through a wine bottle and he sees the wine at his feet and he thinks it's blood. <laughs> yeah he's like hey i drew blood that means i win he's like no uh i'm i'm all the way over here by the way he pretends to die like he, he makes some <laughs> dying sounds yep <laughs> fun and then of course uh, just a horde of police show up big bunch of soldiers and of course they're there they're here to arrest ho of course of course so well, wang's got to step in with his secret stamp well ho and the handicap four because those guys got to go away but yeah, Wang Wang has his stamp. He's like, let Ho go. That guy's with me. Don't worry about it. He, he, deep down, he's secretly maybe an okay person, probably. Yeah, like you you gotta process him, but just let him go once you get to the station. I I think this guy's probably on the level. I I'm gonna make something of him. 
I like them literally kicking him out of the police station. Well, and to the crowd who have come to thank him, and he is not happy about it one bit. Like, thank me for <laughs> what? Excuse me? What? I, oh. I, you, so, oh, uh, my representative Wang came and gave you a bunch of jewels through from me. For the improvement of our community. That's so generous of you. Great. Yeah. Where is Master Wang, by the way? <laughs> uh, he's like, well, you've been so generous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll tell you where Master Wang is. He's uh well, he's in our town. What is it showing a painting? Uh I think he's not quite to that yet. Or maybe he is. This is before he goes to all of his different appointments. Here he's just hanging out in the town because this is the place where the training will take place or no, right. the healing, the training is when they're hiding out. Yeah. Yeah. So Ho comes to confront him at the town that these people are all from that they've come to thank him. Mm -hmm. And you know, he's, you gave away my stolen goods. I stole those fair and square. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and yeah he's like if i wanted to rob from the rich to give to the poor i would have just done that myself yeah. this was for me these were for me i'm not rich enough to be given away to the poor just yet i'm the poor and wang finally it's like no you don't understand i'm not a thief we're, we're not both thieves i'm a real jewel merchant uh, these are my jewels yours were stolen goods i gave them away because i can't have a bunch of stolen goods in my possession okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> and he says that crimson is his bodyguard now oh this is when he confronts him uh, okay right, yeah, so right. He, he confronts him on this the party one. boat <laughs> <laughs> this is, i love this scene because ho is so clueless and it's so obvious what's happened oh well, no it's not that obvious what's it's happening. not that obvious this first time it's pretty brilliantly invisible in this one where he pretends to be protected by crimson and he's doing all of the fight like he's using her as a fighting tool yeah it, it's actually it i shouldn't say it's obvious because it's really hard to catch what he's doing you can catch the gist of it but like it's hard to see the specific movements because mm -hmm. it's it's so hidden in her clothing. Like there's the part where he <laughs> puts his hands out through his sleeve and like hits the guy with his fingers and knocks him away. It's like, oh, I didn't know you practiced internal kung fu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a second like, hand just... comes out. <laughs> yeah, he'll tap her her leg, which will send it flying up into a kick. And, oh genuinely thinks he's getting his ass kicked by a Gesha. Yeah, he he thinks that Crimson is a secret Kung Fu master. He does not get that it's actually Wang. It never occurs to him that Wang's the one actually doing the fighting. Yeah, I, I was wondering until about halfway through the fight, I'm like, wait, does Ho not understand what's happening? Not at all. And <laughs> Wang, he he's very concerned for her safety. Like, he doesn't like getting her in danger but he also can't really reveal that he's a kung fu master mm -hmm. so uh he he calls for ice to call the police yeah uh there's a, there's a bit with a sword where he gets ho yeah that, on the head with the sword. right that, that's the main thing is uh ho draws a knife so he says ice call the police there's a maniac with a weapon and he pulls out a sword and he has crimson wielding the sword and slashes ho's head mm-hmm 
And then so, Wang helps him escape from the police. Yeah, which is a thing that Ho should really be questioning, but doesn't. He doesn't get it. Wang's like, okay, I'm going to help you get away. I don't want you to fall into the police's hands. I'm going to help you get out of here. But just remember, no more crimes. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't do crimes. Well, he, he has pretty much admitted that he's a thief because yeah. he thought Ho was a thief with him. <laughs> so it comes, it, I don't know how long it's been. You know, when we catch up with Ho again, but it seems like the wound has not been healing and it's been getting worse and worse and worse. And it's really gross by this point. Yeah, I, I think he said five days because he's he's carrying out at the pharmacy. Right. Yeah, he is just absolutely raging at this guy. Like, no, it's it's your medicine that's poisoned me. I think you were cut by a poisoned sword, man. I don't think I can help you. <laughs> yeah, go find the person who poisoned you and see if they'll give you the antidote. Yeah, you're, you're just going to have to contact the person who caught you. It's like, fuck, that's, that's crimson. I don't know where crimson. she is. She's on the party boat. And he goes to the party boat and like, no, oh, uh, someone redeemed her. She, she's she been paid off and she like left. She retired from the geisha business. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and he knows yeah, it has no. to be Wang. He's like, oh, I'm going to go get Wang. She's actually his bodyguard. She'll be there. Wang will know where she is. And this is where Wang is uh, admiring some paintings. He's got the Song era watercolors. Right, right. Okay. And there's the, they're talking about, oh, there's this Prince Qin from Beijing. We, you'd really like this guy, I think. You, you should probably meet him. I, as far as we know, he's the only other collector of this painter's work. <laughs> We'd all really love to meet him. He seems like a cool guy. What we don't know yet is that he is him. <laughs> yeah. Wang's like, well, you know, I might be able to make an introduction for you. Wang's just quietly very delighted. He's like, oh, they all know about me. They all think I'm pretty cool and want to be friends with me. And that's, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay being friends with people who like antiques and wine. Yeah, he's like, this is my favorite kind of thing to do. This is great. And no one's acting like I'm a, this big, important prince and worshipping me. I just get to talk to these people as... Uh, equals as rich people this is great mm -hmm. uh and then ho bursts in to interrupt of course <laughs> as he does because yeah. you know he wants his cure and wang does have the cure <laughs> he's like but you gotta you gotta just chill out man because stress is what's exacerbating the poison every time you get stressed out this thing's gonna get worse is what Crimson told me. <laughs> it's it's what Crimson told me. I mean, you know, and I do have the cure. You know, it's it's up here in my head. And I've got a few packages of it here. Whoops. Oh, no, I've spilled them all over the floor. <laughs> <laughs> so the only way this is going to work is if I administer the cure once every three days until it's gone yeah uh you you're coming on as my disciple that's the deal we're gonna make and uh you know each each few days you'll get a little bit of the cure i mean i could give you just a huge dose and you could go cure yourself but i think it's better that i take you under my wing you need some work i need to keep you out of trouble too right and i was like you planned this whole thing he's like exactly yeah no uh, completely <laughs> planned it Th this was all me <laughs> <laughs> and then we catch up with who's pulling the strings against Wang. We've got Prince Four. 
I, I love these movies, how none of these guys ever have names. It's like <laughs> Prince Four, Second Brother. There's too many of them. This is like, no, no. There's 14 of these guys. They're Prince Four, Prince Eleven. There's a Prince Seven in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the king is... The emperor. Pretty soon he's going to announce... Or Yeah, sorry. The emperor is pretty soon he's going to announce the successor. Right. And it's it's a Game of Thrones thing. Yeah. So, you know, if you eliminates the other princes there's a better chance that you're going to be announced right so prince four is holding court he's trying to get people to kill wang i don't know why he's worried about wang specifically maybe he's going after a bunch of guys yeah i does or does prince four really think that of all of them wang is his biggest competition the guy who specifically doesn't want to be the emperor i mean it could be because maybe it's not up to the prince, I mean, the emperor might well, really like Wang, and it's not his choice ultimately. And we don't even know it here. We don't know. <laughs> I love that we do not find out. This is my favorite ending from any of these. It's so good. This, uh, it's it's great. Tremendous. So Prince Four, <laughs> we get an, we get a hint of his character. He's really rude to a courier. We see that he does not have. Uh, the elegance, the politeness of uh, Prince Eleven. Nope, but he's got a famous general under his thumb. General Liang. So uh, he, the courier is delivering, de- delivering an invite from Fan Tinkong, who's a winery owner. No, sorry, no. Ho is rude to him. That's right. No, this is where Ho shows the, the, the master Fan sends his invite. He's the guy who uh, has been hired by Liang, who is hired by Prince Four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, the the uh, Game of Thrones uh, chain of command of avoiding responsibility thing. Yeah, you, you got just a whole bunch of underlings. You, you uh, contract this shit out. So Master Fan wants them to come over and do it, or wants Wang to come over and do a tasting at his winery. Mm-hmm. And Wang invites Ho along. Just like, you know, we we're going on a boat. It's the drunken ferry boat. We'll we'll uh, all we'll all get drunk. You, you want to come along for this, right? I think you're healed enough oh, at this point. Hell yeah, I want to get drunk. <laughs> and Master Fan, he's like, all right, I've got all of these wines. They're all a century old, and they're all very special. <laughs> they got animal names. <laughs> the wine tasting. It took me a while. It took me a while to realize this was a fight. Yeah, this is one that's really interesting. There, it's it's more of a dance than a fight. This is sort of the yeah, Angela really Mao is. stuff. A lot of it's like this. Oh, cool, cool. And the uninitiated, you could say, no, this is like all traditional, super deep, ancient lore, wine tasting stuff that we're doing. Right. It it feels very uh, uh, choreographed. Like it's it's got that dance feel where they do seem to be going through all of these special motions, you know, uh, Fan with his fan fighting, of course, mm-hmm. and Wang with his usual invisible kung fu, which goes all sorts of different ways. Yeah. So you got all sorts of interesting names for these wines. You got the turtle and deer. You got five dragons and two tigers. Ooh, that sounds strong. <laughs> <laughs> they all have to be drunk from these special super ornate cups right and they battle with the cups the cups have different points on them <laughs> they're all yeah, animal shaped like... cups mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's three snakes and... banish the cold <laughs> <laughs> they have to get up 
every time they switch a wine, they have to get up and switch their chairs too. Yeah. I, I love they they have this whole fight and Ho is occasionally peeking in to see what's going on. He's sort of outside just wandering around. And every time he peeks in, it doesn't seem like there's a fight going on. Uh, one of my favorite <laughs> yeah. ones, he's peeking in and uh, Master Ho or Master Fan says to Wang, you hold your drink very well. I, I like that it's, you know, it's it's sort of about drunkenness, but it's also like he's literally holding it extremely well and not spilling it despite them doing all these acrobatic flips and shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so after like, they, they go through five or six of the wines. I don't think they go through all nine of them, but the sommelier gets stabbed with one of the goblets. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> presumably... Uh, different ones of these are poisons, different ones are weapons. Um, it, it's a whole thing. Yeah, you, you keep like switching cups, you uh, make the other guy drink from your cup, you you fence with the cups, and uh, Fan accidentally stabs his sommelier, and then Wang just punches Fan in the sternum so hard he dies. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody even sees it happen. It's incredible. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> it's it's very similar to uh, the one inch punch, the the thing in, or or uh, the thing in uh, Kill Bill, where she, how she gets out of the coffin. He, oh yeah, he's using that sort of uh, attack. Mm-hmm. I, I love how at the end when like they're reporting to the general and he didn't break character once. No, he was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, Prince Four. He it, we go back to him and him sending another assassin. This time's like, okay, rare paintings. We're going to get them with some rare paintings this time. <laughs> this, one's, this one's neat, too, because it really looks like they are excited about the paintings. Oh, yeah, they're all really into it. I mean, that's the thing. Every time he meets with them, there is this whole thing where they are really into it. They're all authentic, classic art and paintings and uh, wines and antiques. And everyone is extremely knowledgeable about them. Mm-hmm. And it's always this thing like, okay, well, another thing about the Invincible Kung Fu is plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. Is he really attacking me or is he just really into this painting? Right. So, our, so I, <laughs> I'd better use my invisible thing, but like, right. well, am I really? His invisible thing, Chu Yi Feng, he has these knife shoes. They're kind of like skates, but they just have a blade coming out of the bottom of the shoe. Mm-hmm. And and also like a hidden blade in the toe, well, of course. Yeah, and as well as there's hidden blades in the paintings. I mean, there's a lot of hidden blades. <laughs> yep. By this time, a lot of time has obviously passed. We we get a montage of all of Ho's uh, shrinking bandages on his wall. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, I was going to count them and try to figure out, but it's been at least a couple months. Yeah, because we know it's supposed to be every three days he gets the treatment. So there's a ton of these bandages on the wall. Yeah, there's, I don't know how many, but there's more than 10. Yes, definitely. Maybe 20. So the, the next fight is the with Master Chu, or his, his paintings and his knife shoes. He's got all these antiques. He's got this cool wall of antiques in this glass room that uh, Ho is wandering around the outside of on both sides and kind of looking through it at them. So very subtle foot fighting in this one. Footsie fighting, I would say. They're they're like playing footsie under the table, but it's lethal. Mm-hmm. And all the while, of course, they're wielding these priceless antiques and they like uh, grab them and kind of like 
shove them at each other and like, but this, <laughs> like, oh, 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 don't drop it. But yeah, no, breaking the antiques is not a viable strategy for this fight. That is off the table. Oh, absolutely. You have to very carefully protect the antiques while you're doing the invisible fighting. That's that's a whole part of it. Yeah, not only is this an assassination thing, but also the first one to break an antique loses. And it's amazing. This is where Ho finally starts to clue in. He gets a little suspicious first because he's like, <laughs> uh, well, Wang wanted to examine this staff really closely <laughs> or just like, or is it a pipe or I, yeah, I, I guess it is a pipe. Uh, he, he's just looking at it really closely and he's trying to determine who's sending the assassins. Cause where all of this stuff comes from is going to lead him to which of his brothers is doing it. But Ho is not really getting that. He's just like, something's off here. The vibe is weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Chu, he he uh, he presents the paintings, or he mentions the paintings, and all of the underlings kind of just jump in and attack. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it's Ho. He kicks one of them out of a window. Yeah. So like he's aware uh-huh. that something's going on. Like suddenly there's just all these guys fighting. Like when it was just the two of them, he wasn't really cluing in. He'd keep looking at them and it's like they seem to just be sitting. Even though they're both yeah. like doing like this praying mantis pose in between fights. <laughs> yeah, I love the one where he's looking at them and they're just like spinning this painting around. He's like, huh, that's a weird way to show a painting. Yeah, that's a weird way to look at a painting. You guys, he is dim. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's like around here that he figures this out. Yeah, it is basically here. Well, it's essentially all of the underlings come in. He's like, wait, there's a fight going on. What the shit? And he has to jump in and start fighting. Yeah, and then he watches, he's like, my master knows Kung Fu? Yeah, because the, the the battle with Chu just intensifies, because all of this is going on. It's like, all right, this is out in the open. Let's let's actually fight. And he's like, holy shit. So he comes in to join the fight with Wang. Mm-hmm. And of course, they defeat Chu. Not, not a big issue. Yeah, no. And Wang finally reveals, like, okay, the thing is, I'm Prince Eleven. So... <laughs> He's he's like got Chu defeated, but not quite dead. So he's demanding to know who sent him. Ho will pick up on this and try to investigate later, but it is none of his business. <laughs> yeah, no, his job is not to investigate. This. Yes. Uh, thanks. No, not your place, my friend. <laughs> and Chu is like, OK, the secret is in this special scroll. We'll just pull out this scroll that I've been uh, keeping aside this whole time. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably, uh, you know, th- that'll be safe, won't it? Spear gun scroll! And he gets Wang, or Wang, sorry, he gets him. There's a hidden knife rolled up, and he, he, he gets stabbed. Mm-hmm. Then Ho slashes Chu, they take off, and the evil general, General Lang, shows up, and he kills Chu. Yeah. You know, it's it's a specter kind of thing. You, you failed. You failed. You failed for the last time. Absolutely the last time. You die now. Mm-hmm. So Wang Wang's wound, or Prince Eleven's wound, I guess, at this point, it's very serious. There's tendon damage. It's going to take months to heal. Yep, and he's never going to be fully walking properly again. I, I think he says that he will eventually recover. It's just it's going to take a very long time. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> they're hiding out in this temple, the Temple of the Mountain God. Cool. 
and he ho is like okay doctor i mean it's probably obvious at this point but you can't tell anyone you were here we, we understand this right oh yeah yeah no no not telling anybody don't worry about that <laughs> and how's like hey so are there really 11 princes he's like no there's 14 I'm like oh, okay i'm learning things that's interesting <laughs> so they're all vying to be the emperor and like well yeah i mean it's a big position everyone's gonna want it hmm and wang finally like look you gotta understand i don't want to be the emperor i i this is not what i want to do i just want to have wine and look at antiques and be with cool people I don't want to roll. That's boring. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do the shit you've been seeing me do when I was undercover. Yeah. That's the life I want to be living. I, I like being a fancy boy and I like Kung <laughs> Fu. Those are my things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Ho is like, okay, can I become your real disciple? Like a Kung Fu disciple? Because you're obviously way more capable than me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but it's going to be hard, and you're going to have to do a montage where you get your ass beat a lot. Oh, the kicks training, the invisible kicks training. This is one of the great uh, training sequences. This is a good one. So uh, he, He's got, like, these bowls with these candles on his shoulder that he can't... Well, first, or, or, like, at first they're on his shoulder, like a bowl with yeah. a candle and... Then they're like all over his arms, like you got them on top of his head. They're they end up being just it's it's almost candle wax torture that's going on through his training. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because if you move too much, it'll spill the boiling hot candle wax all over your everything. Yeah, everywhere, and it keeps happening to him. You know, he'll he'll do the backwards kick, which is the one he has the most trouble getting a handle on, and he he just like spills them, and they you see wax fall down his body, and he goes ah. Oh, yeah. damn it ah. <laughs> then when he later on when he has to kick like through this like fence of fire well he, it's sort of like this weird chair and it's got uh, these tiers of stuff and there's like the middle thing that he's supposed to hit and the outward things he's supposed to hit but it's got huge rows of candles that he's supposed to kick over without necessarily burning himself too much but also without mm. putting any of the candles out no, th that's part of the thing. Yeah. And all of it without moving his shoulders. You know, uh, only the bottom half is supposed to move. Because otherwise people are going to notice that you're kicking them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And this just is so, yeah, it, it takes him a long time to get the hang of it. He It's he tough. Gets... I mean, that's the thing. I understand why it's a long time to get a handle on it because yeah. it's an incredibly difficult one. This is one of the most impressive training sequences. Like this is so specific and it's such a very particular thing to do and they'll, they'll shortly pay it off, but Oh my God, what a payoff. <laughs> yeah. But like, it should be impossible when you think about it. It's crazy, but it's not like we see him do it. It's insane. It looks yeah. <laughs> impossible. And like, I see him doing this training. He's like, this is absurd. How, how is anyone going to do this? And then, I mean, the man does it. I, I can't, yeah. I can't say, I, I feel like Lao Karlung, he's the King God as far as training sequences in Kung Fu goes. <laughs> Cause you know, he did 36 chamber. He did legendary weapons. He did, um, uh, deadly mantis. He, he's doing all these like major ones, eight diagram pole fighters, probably the only one that is on the same level as this. That one's fun. Too, the the, the training sequence with the dogs, or the wolves <laughs> and the teeth. That's so fucking cool. Yeah. 
So they, you know, they go through this in-depth training sequence. It's it's long. It's like a solid 15 minutes, maybe. Oh, yeah. There is a lot of training. And then in town, the doctor, he hears, you know, uh, Lang has sent out people to go find what's going on. And he understands how much Wang is worth. Because they're saying, like, hey, there's this guy with a deal. It's going to be like $15,000 or whatever. Yeah, it's like, well, hey, why don't we all bypass him and just claim the reward for ourselves and split it fewer ways? Yeah, well, I've got these guys, the seven agonies of the East. I don't know about these guys. I, uh, I, I do really like Ho's line when they show up. The first guy, he's pretending to be a woman. He's speaking in a high voice. And they announce that they're the seven agonies of the East. And Ho says, like, oh, there's seven alligators. <laughs> i love yeah later on he's like you guys aren't acting very much like alligators he's like agonies you idiot <laughs> at first they're trying to buy him off he's like hey uh we're we figure we can get a bunch of money for wang we'll give you five thousand tails yourself if you just give him to us but of then course of course he's not gonna turn, no. no he's he's no. past that point he's uh into the uh the the actual fighting so we've got all our guys we've got enduring agony he's just this really big guy and you can't hurt him but he won't fight back don't worry he's just he's just there to get punched yeah he just takes the damage we've got crying agony who cries while fighting and he bites he keeps like biting him all over the place (laughs) weird yeah he does like these like asian horror monster hops yeah uh, there's Agony Look, who just mean mugs at him and slaps him, uh, <laughs> causing Agony, uh, who who does mirror moves. He he's like mirroring everything that he's doing. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Which I guess you know it's you're causing your own agony. You're doing the same thing. Oh, I guess I see. Like again, th- these ones are not as well developed as our fake crippled Avengers from earlier. Yeah, they they don't have a cohesive theme, really. It's more like, what can we slap agony onto? Yeah, and they're not, it's loose. You know, it's It's just, each guy has kind of a vague theme, and they're they're all kind of obnoxious. (laughs) They're, They're comedic. They're not very good at fighting. It's, again, it's more dance moves. It doesn't quite fit with the way that we've done the other ones, but it's all worth it for the payoff. I like the tea guy. Agony tea. He he just spills tea all over him. <laughs> yeah, it's well. I mean, he's been carrying it however long it's taken to walk there. So I don't know how hot that tea still is. I mean, it seems to be hot. But okay, there's yeah. before him. There's also why do you look for agony? Who just tries to <laughs> guilt trip him into joining him, which is weird. <laughs> this gang was never going to collect a bounty. No, they they did not have enough to go with. But agony tea. This is the weirdest part of maybe the entire fucking movie is because he makes him drink the tea and then he turns like Ho turns really feminine for a minute. Yeah. He like starts blushing and he gets really femmy. It's bizarre. It's like, what what are we doing here? I don't even get it. And it only lasts for like a minute. And- yeah. Like literally maybe 30 seconds he's blushing and they do a close up on him and everyone's like, now you're going to help us, right? <laughs> and then, you know, just nothing happens. Nothing comes of it. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, now you got to fight all of us again for some reason. So he starts punching the fat guy again. Wang finally pulls Ho aside 
and he gives him just this big stack of bills to pay them off with. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. All right, cool. And this is the payoff. This is the Invisible Kicks payoff, because they're all <laughs> in a circle around him, all seven of them, I guess. Yeah, he, he's got like the leader around his, his arm around the leader's shoulder. Yeah, and they're all in a circle around the two of them. And he's like counting the, the amount of money he's got in his hands. And he just does a, a slow turn and just kicks all seven of them without any motion of his top half whatsoever. And the, <laughs> the leader just doesn't even realize that all of his guys have just been taken out instantly. Yep. <laughs> I mean, the, the payoff of that is incredible. That is so good. <laughs> I love how Ho is like, hey, and Wang's like, okay, now we'll give them the bills. Yeah, he's okay. like, okay, give them the money. We, you know, we we kicked them. We had our fun. They can have the money. I don't need it. It was worth it to kick I'm, them. <laughs> I'm Prince Eleven. I print money. <laughs> yeah, I can literally make money. So more training we get the bow staff training the sort of uh two of them doing mutual bow staff training which is pretty rad oh i love when the two of them like start fighting together yeah it rocks they they're such a cool team and they have a similar look like uh gordon Liu and wong yu both have a very mm. similar uh uh hairstyle like it's it's just like one of them has the mustache and one does not and you know one has yeah. the bandage the trademark bandage Mm-hmm. so it's almost it's just two weeks now until the successor is announced oh my god who's it going to be i can't wait to find out <laughs> like okay we, let's let's get our supplies ready we'll get a big heavy crutch for me to use both as a weapon and as an actual crutch i love the staff crutch thing they build rad uh, it's a, it's sort of a segmented staff but it only bends in the middle but yeah you can do so much with it mm-hmm. uh you've got a wagon which is sort of a wagon slash chair, sort of like a wheelchair wagon, and tons of umbrellas. Sturdy, <laughs> sturdy umbrellas. <laughs> so many umbrellas. And they head to just this windy, desolate Star Trek planet. <laughs> it's a Minion Ambush Valley. It, it is. It's Minion Ambush Valley. I was like, oh, yeah. they're going to get ambushed by minions here. It's an obvious ambush spot. Uh Archers just pour out of every fucking entrance. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And, you know, they they bring out the umbrellas. They uh, surround themselves with umbrellas, and the umbrellas take all the arrows. (laughs) They run out of arrows. (laughs) (laughs) So you just see, like, this pile of umbrellas and arrows that looks like a pincushion. And they just, like, drop them aside, and then it is time for some fucking wheelchair foo. Yep. Uh, wheelchair foo versus the lead archer has a mongolian warrior cape which is kind of rad oh yeah and it's got like studded blades in part of it mm, it's got this uh, it's this red cape with all of these studs in it that are very sharp and yeah it's it's kind of a cool fighting thing i haven't seen that used before mm-hmm. uh, but they defeat him with the the fucking wheelchair weapon of course you know obviously uh and he is killed by a barrage of arrows like they're trying to ask him who's behind this and uh, you know they pull him in front of them as a human shield and he gets hit by all the arrows and he's finally like all right it's prince four and he dies Mm, yeah prince four with his dying breath (laughs) imagine 
being the one person who only knows their names and doesn't know their numbers and just being really confused, be like, <laughs> which one's Prince Four? Is that Dave? Well, you know, because it's the ages. It's who who yeah. uh, who's the oldest, who's the youngest. <laughs> so, you know, the the it's it's the succession ceremony. It's going on right now, and Prince Eleven yep. is the last one to show up. Everybody else is already there. Yep, he's not there, and him not being there is, of course, a huge deal. Oh, you know, it, this is a big breach of etiquette, and he shows up, but he can't come in the front door because. You know, people would notice because he's late. What are you doing? Yeah, you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> so he goes around through the back door, and General Liang is waiting because he knows he's going to come through the back door. I mean, that's etiquette. <laughs> he's got a couple guys, a couple mini bosses. So this is this fight is cool because they're the General Liang and his mini bosses are kind of fighting the same way that uh, that Wang and Ho are. Mm. Well, the, they they all come from, I guess, the same ultimate school because all of them are with the emperor so they True. all have this invisible kung fu this polite fu yeah uh, it, it's it's so cool because it's so hard to follow because they keep everybody keeps switching weapons and like swapping who's holding the spear who's holding the uh dumbbell i guess who's holding the section staff the bow staff the the they're doing a lot of the co-bow staff fighting that we saw them training for uh, the the way they switch off, the way they're able to uh, kind of switch weapons between them and and dance around their enemies. Yeah, uh, I think at one point they knock one of the dude's eyes out with it. They hit him in the back of the head, and he like holds his holds the holds his face. I think his eyes are supposed to have been knocked out. Oh yeah, yeah. Kind of fucking they, rad. Yeah, they slowly take down the two minions. Yeah, like the other guy, his chest gets crushed. They they hit yeah. him really hard in the chest with uh, the the end of the staff, and he just is fucking dead. Uh-huh. And Ho, you know, they finally they're down to just laying. He's like, "Who's behind this?" And Wang's like, "Hey, shut up! What <laughs> out of it? This is none of your business." Yeah, yeah. Have you not been paying attention? The whole theme of this movie is indirect. You, yeah. you get information the indirect way. What you just did is the equivalent to. Going up to General Liang in a market and punching him. Yeah, and it's also a thing where, like, no, no, I know who did it. This isn't any of your business anymore. I've got things to do. This isn't your level. You you are not royal. You're you're a disciple. This isn't your business. Also, let me handle my problems because yeah. I'm the type of guy who doesn't want people getting hurt over my shit. Right. He is pretty particular about this stuff. Uh, so they they met, they finally defeat Lang and kill him with his own blade, his Kayang blade, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so the other after, it's, it's basically Bo Staff versus Kayang blade. I love how they wait till he's after he's defeated before they say like how badass of a general he was. It's like yeah, yeah, he killed so many Huns. Yeah, this guy is a very important general and he will be missed. But I don't know what made him go so corrupt. And yeah. <laughs> Finally, Prince Eleven, he shows up just in time for the Emperor to come in, and yeah, Ho is shoving all his stuff at him, like, hey, your jewels, uh, the, the staff, the crutch, and he's like, I don't want the Your crutch. hat! No, I can't have yeah, the, the crutch. Like, I can't have the crutch, and he hits him with the crutch and, like, forces it out the door. Ho is flung out the door, flying like Jazzy Jeff. Upside down. Yeah, Jazzy Jeff, that's exactly what it is, and that's freeze the frame. end of the movie. Oh, freeze frame with him. Like flying through the air out the door, just like, mid air. Yeah, it's very down. impressive. 
that I laughed my ass off. Oh, at, tremendous! At, at Absolutely perfect closing frame. Just a, the funniest one I've seen yet. And most of these, that is one of my favorite things about the Shaw Brothers Kung Fu is that it ends and you just get some tremendous freeze at the end. <laughs> yeah, it's like usually usually it ends and we don't see the resolution of the conflict, but you're pretty sure you know how it's going to shake out. Here we have a loose end and it's like, no, not for you. Yeah, this isn't your business. Uh, get out of here. Uh, it, it ultimately doesn't even matter. This isn't what it's ever been about. It's not about who's going to be uh, the new emperor because Wang doesn't care. Or, you know, Prince Eleven, he doesn't give a shit. He doesn't want to yeah. be the prince. Yeah, he's here. He's like, please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. Yeah, he's like, I don't want to do this. I have to be here. Uh, my uh, my duties require it that I be here, but I really don't want to do this. Uh-huh. <laughs> but we don't even see that. We just, what? Yeah, great. Just him flying out the door and the end. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, all of these are great. It's, you know, Five Fingers of Death had the one where uh, you just there's the broken body on the floor. <laughs> the end. <laughs> right. Ah, <laughs> oh, fucking rad. Uh, so yeah, this one rocks. It's totally in my upper tier of the various uh, Shaw Brothers Kung Fu's I've watched. Yeah, um, honestly, they're all pretty consistent in yes. quality, so I'd be really hard-pressed to pick a favorite one. Usually my favorite one is whatever one I've seen the most recently. Fair, fair. Eight Diagram Pole Fighter, no question, my number one. I think this might be my number two of the ones we've done recently. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say it's my favorite of this set so far. Ah, uh, yeah. Maybe. I agree <laughs> with that. Five well, Fingers of Death is really good. I don't know. I really, I really like Shantung. Shantung is really good, too, yeah. Yeah, this they're, reps, they're, they're all great. It's, it's incredible how consistent this set is. Mm-hmm. This is the third, or is this the fourth one we've covered from the set? I think this third. will be the third from the set that we've covered. We've watched also Crippled Avengers and Five Deadly Venoms, but we didn't yeah. cover those. Yeah, we that does sometime. Well, that that raises the question: what does what is this going to be replaced with in the stacks? Because uh, we got to pick another one from the box. Is it going to be the next one? Is it going to be one of the earlier ones? Because we skipped a few to go to this one. We did, didn't we? Uh, so why don't we why don't we go? Because I only picked this because I like the name. <laughs> Right, and, and <laughs> it, it was a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, why don't we go back to, not the beginning of the beginning, but the whatever the first one we haven't done is, uh, which so, I don't know what that is. Uh, I think it's Chinatown Kid. Uh, I'm uh, not I'm, sure. I'm going to pull it out and see. Yeah. So, great. Here, I can just look it up. Okay, that might be faster. Yeah. Uh... Five Shaolin Masters is the next one. Okay, cool. Yeah, let's have that be our next one. All right. So that one is a Chang Che, uh, who uh, we've watched a few. Like he He's the guy who did Five Deadly Venoms. He did Crippled okay. Avengers. Uh, he did Boxer from Shantung. Oh, cool. Cool. So he's, he's good. Mm-hmm. We, we've watched a bunch of his stuff. Uh, so uh, Five Shaolin Masters. Uh, this is the the Shaolin Temple is burned. You know, it's a very oh. famous historical event, and uh, we've got a five guys who managed to escape the temple, and they're the secret Shaolin masters. 
you know, after the burning of the temple and they're, they're going to find loyal Shaolin men. Cool. All right. I'm into it. Sounds pretty rad. I, my understanding is like another super action packed thing as these tend to be, as they tend to be. (laughs) All right. Well, do you have any other thoughts on dirty ho before we close for, (laughs) or before we continue on to second to part two? I just love that he learns nothing no, the whole he's, time. He, he's dumb. He's, he's easily our dumbest protagonist, our least flexible protagonist. I mean, he does learn the kung fu. I, I give it to him. He does learn the very difficult kung fu that's incredibly impressive, but he does not learn anything as a person where most of them, the kung fu is supposed to make them grow. <laughs> no, Shang or Wang is going to have to be babysitting this man forever. Although it's interesting because Boxer from Shantung, the previous one we covered from the set, uh, does have a similar thing where our guy never really is able to grow as a person. He's just totally uh, on his. Oh, that's true. Self, his obsessive death trip because he's in love with this guy who gets killed. Right. Right. Kind of. <laughs> Doesn't he die at the end of that one? Oh, yeah, he gets... Well, he, it's that incredible battle with the axe in the stomach. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, man, right. These movies are pretty wild. They're pretty great. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I think uh, that's everything for Dirty Hose. We'll head on to part two. And we're back for part two, where we're talking about my favorite James Bond picture. Uh, a problematic James Bond picture, I'll admit, immediately. But <laughs> Immediately problematic. Uh, you Only Live Twice, uh, from 1967, uh, director Louis Gilbert, who directed a bunch of the James Bond movies. Uh, and this is based on the final James Bond novel by Ian oh, Fleming. Okay. So this is the only one that I think it was written after the series had already become successful it's kind of weirdly a direct sequel to on her majesty's secret service despite being the next movie that's the next james bond movie which really throws a wrench into things with connery leaving because it uh, well we'll talk about that when we get to part three but uh (laughs) it's uh, this one it just it's very strange but it has very little relation to the novel Oh, uh, you, you got some of the same characters. You got some of the same basic plot points, but I mean, he doesn't even have a volcano lair in the book. Well, said, where does the rocket go? I don't. My my recollection is there weren't rockets in it either. See, it was a revenge movie because oh. uh, it for things that happen in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, it's Bond hunting down Blofeld specifically. Oh, so this is like, oh, he did all this stuff. It's revenge time. I'm going to drop you into a smokestack. <laughs> well, uh, you know, they, they did that because they lost the rights to the character. But uh, uh, the Blofeld saga, I am so unclear as to what's going on there. Well, it's sort of all over the place. And this is a big part of it because the book's. Uh, are in a different order than the movies, obviously. And mm. on Her Majesty's Secret Service, uh, you know, Blofeld, you know, spoilers, kills Bond's wife. Bond actually gets married and his wife is killed by Blofeld. Well, he technically gets married in this one. Yeah, I mean, he kind of gets I mean, married over and over. Same. 
Yeah, no, diff- different lady. Uh, but that one, the wife matters. Yes, this one, uh, you know, that one, it's it's key. Like their romance is sort of central, and it's well, we'll again, we'll we'll talk a bit about that in three part three. But you only live twice was the sequel book to that, so it's him getting revenge for the murder of his wife, and he just goes after Blofeld and he kills him in this one which obviously does not take place in this one because he's there too. They couldn't do that in this one because he needed to be there in the next one to kill the wife. It's this just, is so complicated. I, Why can't you yeah. just adapt them in order, guys? Well, and it, it causes a huge problem with Sean Connery not being in the next one, considering how heavily based on continuity the next one is. <laughs> so it's it's very strange. Like the, the basic thing, like it's been years since I read all the novels, but my recollection is, uh you only live twice is a very strange one it's it is it is based in japan pretty much exclusively and it is all sorts of weird japanese stuff i feel like that one agent that bond goes to visit at one point he seems like maybe he's based on ian fleming he feels like ian fleming to me the the henderson guy henderson yeah who will later be blofeld Oh, the, the actor's going to be Blofeld? Yeah, that actor plays Blofeld, I think, in Diamonds Are Forever? <laughs> I want to say. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, no, definitely. Diamonds Are Forever is insane. Uh, <laughs> another upper tier one for me, but that one for totally different reasons. I guess I guess it's not the Well, I mean, maybe it is the first time, but they do do this. Uh, Joe Don Baker. Oh, yeah. Joe Don Baker, Don Joe Baker. Fuck, Joe Don Baker. I mean. It is Joe Don yeah. Baker. Yeah, he's in a yeah, couple. He, he's in a couple playing very different characters. He's the villain in one, and he's like the buddy in Goldeneye. Right. He's uh um um Jack Wade. Oh, he's Jack Wade in uh, the in Goldeneye, in which Goldeneye. is like the one Bond movie that I know better than all of them. <laughs> I mean, I've seen it a few. T- I saw that one in theater. <laughs> But uh, so you only live twice. Uh, the thing is, he doesn't have a volcano lair in that one. He has a crazy greenhouse of man-eating plants and like evil, <laughs> and, like dangerous plants and shit, which is also cool. All right, man. Why doesn't why don't any of the movies have that? I don't know, because that's kind of an interest. I guess it's too sci-fi. And by the time they get to Roger Moore, they're doing a different sort of sci-fi you know you can't have that sort of 50s 60s fantasy sci-fi with like man-eating plants and then it just doesn't fit with brosnan or craig no i'm just imagining daniel craig fighting (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) like a giant like piranha plant from mario brothers yeah or like a venus (laughs) flytrap but like a giant like man-sized one (laughs) or a pitcher plant i think my recollection, it's again, it's been years and years since I read them. I think at one point Bond is trapped in a pitcher plant. Of course. You know, it's gotta be. Like yeah. <laughs> and then the villain who put him there has to leave the room is like, well, I'm sure it'll be fine. I think it has to be Blofeld, but it's <laughs> again, it's been such a long time. But yeah, this is totally different. There's very little relation to the book. Uh, did you notice who wrote the screenplay on this one? Oh, no, I didn't. Rolled Doll. No kidding. Rolled Doll of, uh, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory fan. Yeah, yeah, he, the big friendly giant. Yeah, he and uh, Fleming were besties. Uh, I didn't they, know that. They traded projects. Ian Fleming wrote the screenplay for Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Hmm. 
in in like exchange for him like they they adapted each other's books for screen weird stuff that's hilarious <laughs> i had no idea yeah uh but yeah, th- this is totally different from the book and for the better, I think. I love this movie so much, even with the obvious problems that it has with racism, misogyny, which are sort of endemic to all of the early Bond films. But it's got some points in this one. There's, there's some spikes. <laughs> there's some there's some bad stuff in here. Uh, like right at the beginning, the mm-hmm. <laughs> our I, I can't I, I don't know if the lady has a name. The our first uh, line. Uh, that lady doesn't have a name. Okay, I mean that may, that tracks. Uh, <laughs> I don't think the wife has a name. Why do Chinese girls taste like taste different from other girls? Uh, the the no, no the wife totally has a name. That's Kissy Suzuki. <laughs> how the know. hell did i not notice that i'm not sure it may never be stated there was a whole thing with that actress because she threatened to commit suicide because she couldn't actually really do the lines in english so they uh were going to fire her but then she threatened to commit suicide so they changed the character she was going to be the other like the the two bond girls switched places because one of them was much better at delivering the lines than the other so the Aki, you know, Aki and Kissy Suzuki. Aki's not bad. Aki definitely has much more of a charm and much more of a confidence with it. I found Aki had the more uh, racist sounding accent, actually. Well, that's like of the two of them. I mean, that's not really fair because that's just her accent. That's just how she's oh, well, then... speaking English because she did not speak it well. Neither of them no, did. That I'm actually being an asshole. Yeah, that's kind of racist. Honestly. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Uh, hmm, yeah, but I, that's not cool. No, I like Aki a lot. She has charm, but yeah, she's she definitely like neither of them are uh, all that great at speaking English. It's much like when we had the Gamera movie and you had all those uh, American characters <laughs> in the the control room in that first one. There, it's like these guys. I know they're white dudes, but they do not speak English. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah or they're like obvious non-actors which i think one of the moms in one of the camera movies is like this this person cannot deliver a line yeah i think i remember that um actually squid game has some american characters who are just white i i figure they were just white guys that they knew and right well i mean didn't matter if they could act we we even had that with uh jsa with the few english sequences and that where it's like these feel off i don't know why do we need (laughs) these sequences in english anyways Mm -hmm. but yeah our first girl of course the why why do chinese girls taste different from other girls (laughs) peking duck (laughs) (laughs) and here here i'm waiting for a punchline but he just wants to have a conversation about this yeah he's like oh you think we taste better he's like no not better just different (laughs) just different i never said you tasted better he's like i just want to chat about this concept have you (laughs) noticed this Uh, hmm. (laughs) yeah have you noticed that you taste different from the other Oh, well. But it's just sort of a weird setup for this faked death, which is so weird and out of nowhere. It's it's one of the strangest Bond openings. <laughs> I like to imagine that uh, that the official reason why he was killed is because he said that comment and they were like, <laughs> okay, this is too racist. He's got to go. 
I mean, it's not even close to uh, two races no. compared to even some of the other movies. Uh, some of the Roger Moore movies, even they, they kind of oh, it, boy. It, it it stretches. Because uh, Moore movies are the ones I recall the least of. I think. Yeah, I mean, they blend together, and there's so many of them. <laughs> and some of them are just the same movie repeated like uh spy who loved me and moonraker i think we talked about this last week they're the same movie in two different locations <laughs> and they're also remakes of this movie <laughs> yeah yeah this is i, I saw moonraker a lot more re- or a lot earlier than i saw this one so when i saw this i was like this feels so moonraker this is almost the same thing well, part of the reason is that it's the same director. In fact, it's the same director for all three of them. Oh. <laughs> and oh. he just made the same James Bond movie three times with just different locations, which is hilarious. <laughs> and you know what? I kind of love all three of them. Uh, Spy Who Loved Me, I think, is the most respected of the three, and it's easily my least favorite. But You Only Live Twice is like my favorite good one, and Moonraker is maybe my favorite bad one. Because it's <laughs> bad. I like. I oh, remember watching that oh, one yeah. as a kid. The first time I saw it, it was like, I saw this and like, oh, I get self-parody now. <laughs> this is self-parody. <laughs> I understand. Uh, it, took, it took me a bit longer to understand. I did, when I saw Moonraker, I didn't realize that's what they were doing. But I also didn't realize that's what they were doing at Batman 66. So I saw those both at about the same time. Fair, fair. I think I probably saw Moonraker a little later. I grew up on the 66 Batman series and movie. Mm. So yeah, we have the faked death. Yeah, we we actually don't start with the faked death. We've got two scenes before our uh, before our Oh titles. yeah, the spaceship. The spaceship yeah. eating the spaceship. The spaceship eating the spaceship. So we've got a, um, uh, it's a rush, no. No, it's the American spaceship. It's, it's a ship. Jupiter 16. Yeah, yeah, it's up there. It's it's doing a space mission, whatever. It's the space race. Uh, I don't think we would have landed on the moon yet, so the the race is still happening. Yeah, no, uh, landing on the moon I think is seventy one, but sixty five is the first spacewalk. I want to say first man in space. So we're we're yeah. only a couple years into it. This is peak time. Yeah, and and in fact, our American astronauts are doing a spacewalk as as this is happening. Yeah. Um, this is the one where the guy gets left out in space, right? What? Or is that the, the second or, one? No, that's okay, this that one. That is this one, yeah. Ooh. That is honestly like haunting. one of my most terrifying ways to die. It's also yeah. the least likely way for me to die, but like... Oh, is... yeah. I don't ever have to worry about it, but it is a chilling thought. The, just thinking about... Yeah, there's there's nothing. You're, you just kind of drift there knowing you're fucked, knowing you cannot be saved. And they don't dwell on it at all because it's just no. you know our our the the spaceship is doing the thing and suddenly static comes in and the the other spaceship sort of appears almost out of nowhere because I guess it's using uh, the curvatures using something to make itself invisible I, I guess it, to obscure itself I, I'm not yeah, really sure how the, the logistics of the spaceship aren't super clear um, but. But it yeah, opens it, up <laughs> like there's a big uh, open mouth at, at, in its nose cone and it yeah. swallows the other ship. And in closing, it just snips the uh, air hose and the guy drifts away. And we, we don't even linger on it for a moment. 
Yeah, no, not even for a second. Where the next scene we're talking about, like, oh well, I blame Russia for this. Uh, oh, yeah. We are Russia. <laughs> we definitely didn't do this. We are a Soviet Union is famously a peace loving nation. <laughs> What this is one of the things that I really love about this is seeing a British perspective of the Cold War, and it's sort of amused by both sides. <laughs> it is the British guy's like, gentlemen, I'm British, I know the truth. It wasn't either of you who did this. Uh, our, our notes seem to indicate that it fell down somewhere in the Sea of Japan. Uh, yeah, I, I just really love how. He, they're, we're playing both the Americans and the Russians as cartoons. They're both ridiculous mm-hmm. to us. <laughs> and that's kind of always been the way with James Bond, hasn't True. it? True, yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of a fun thing that you don't really get in big-budget action pictures anywhere else. No, no, you will not see a big-budget Hollywood picture making fun of America. Well, no, you, you definitely do, but it's a different flavor. This one, it's clearly like an outside criticism. It doesn't feel... Mm uh internalized in the way of like the michael bay ones where you have the ugly americans on vacation one of the transformers movies <laughs> right right yeah yeah that is pretty different from this no yeah. but yeah the way he says it well we're going to investigate that if you want to you can do the same thing yeah we'll we'll see uh we we've got our best man on it <laughs> <laughs> and here's where we get to the legendary line the, the first thing that sean connery says in the whole movie yeah uh, is, as i uh, i've said twice already <laughs> yeah yeah um and <laughs> yeah they have a whole talk about it and and then she just like flips his he's in a murphy bed you know one of those that drops down from the wall she just flips him up into the wall and someone like rushes in with a machine gun and blows him away yeah blows him away uh and then we have like the police come and inspect it's like james bond is definitely really seriously dead you guys yeah they pull down the bed we see his bloody body and someone takes the pulse and a little like, yep. blood yeah i mean there's blood that's all so, I mean, it's it's a 1967 uh mainstream action picture uh true, <laughs> true. uh th- this is before the exorcist had won the oscar and made mm-hmm. horror even remotely acceptable true so yeah, they they declare him dead, and headlines go out: James Bond dead. Which again, it always makes me laugh about how famous James Bond is as a <laughs> spy. I mean, I I think they list him as being a mil uh, a naval commander. Naval, yeah, naval commander is how they list it. But yeah. every fucking buddy knows that James Bond is like the international super spy. Yeah, like, oh, James Bond died. I'll be damned. And like later on, the the evil Bond or the, the evil uh lady who wants to sleep with Bond. It's like, I mean, I want to sleep with Bond. I mean, I'm gonna kill him afterward, but I'd really like to sleep with Bond first. <laughs> yeah, haven't you ever wanted to sleep with James Bond? Yeah, come on. Mm, no, I don't think I have. He's like, I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so my theory is like James Bond is the one, is the spy who his whole job is to draw all the attention. So the real spies like Harry Palmer could do the real shit. Maybe I mean he's definitely doing the big stuff, but it's it's always just like huge theatrical stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, it's it's the Guild of Calamitous Intent type stuff from uh, the Venture Brothers. 
Yeah, yeah. That's the sort of threat he's dealing with. So, you know, we we got our Harry Palmers dealing with the real domestic threats, the sort of uh, status quo stuff. Uh, Bond is dealing with supervillains. And it, it's sort of like the, the the concept with the early Marvel Universe that, that the, the introduction of heroes kind of... Uh, creates the pushback of the introduction of villains that there it's this sort of uh battle between the two that is uh the, the existence of one necessitates the other mm-hmm. there are these uh dangerous opposing forces if you have a james bond you need a ernst stavro blofeld <laughs> dr evil well yeah oh man i can't wait till we get to that oh it's so good i love donald <laughs> pleasant so much and it's absolutely my favorite blofeld uh. A lot of people like the Blofeld in Diamonds, or not Diamonds Are Forever. I mean, Diamonds Are Forever is okay. It, that that one's never a favorite. Uh, in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, uh, Telly Savalas, Kojak. The the one that I know I haven't seen, because I know that I haven't seen Lazy the B. one George. Yeah, 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 that one. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it's a weird, I, well, I, yeah, we'll talk about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, like my history with what bonds I've seen and when is really muddy because so many of them do kind of blend together. So I honestly don't know what I have and haven't seen. That's fair. I mean, especially with the Roger Moore ones, they're all pretty samey. I would say kind of the same with the Pierce Brosnan ones. They really blend together for me. Well, I mean, GoldenEye stands out, but only because I played the game and I know all the story beats because they're in the game. I couldn't tell you anything that happened from either of the other two or three and if you showed me a scene i'd be like i don't know which one this is from i i mean i could probably identify elements of the other two of other three two three three tomorrow never dies world is not enough and die another day uh yeah I mean, but yeah, 100% agree on all the GoldenEye stuff. It's the only one that I watched more than a few times. It's the only one I have much of an interest in. I do think they steeply go downhill after it. I think they do too. Uh, GoldenEye was always my favorite of the Brosnans. Yeah. Um, Die Another Day is wretched. Wretchedly bad. I hate it so much. I never never got to that one. I was already, after the (laughs) other two, I was like, eh, I won't bother. I literally, I like, I only saw two of them in theater. I saw Goldeneye and I saw The World Is Not Enough. I skipped Tomorrow Never Dies for whatever reason. The only Bond I ever saw in theater is Casino Royale. Ooh, I mean, that's a great one. It is a good one. It's a really good one. Very different from this. Yeah, I did see The Craigs in theater except for No Time to Die. No, I didn't see Spectre in theater either. I missed that one, but it was, I, it was okay. It was so-so. <laughs> yeah so so my anchor point for what like what bond is to me has always been kind of centered around goldeneye mm. but this is probably if it's not my favorite bond film i'd say is the most bond film of the bond films yeah I mean, i'd say that's got, very very fair to say <laughs> <laughs> it's got all the elements you want it's got cool vehicle action hidden gadgets an invincible henchman, traps, Doctor Evil. You got a great uh, Blofeld. The the lair, the volcano. The lair, lair. yeah, oh. yeah. And for me, of course, I we we haven't mentioned it yet, but the song. Uh, oh the, yeah, actually, yes, we we get the song right around here. Yeah, uh, it's it's right after he, he dies, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think his bullet wound is the first of the. Uh, it. it uh, 
it like spirals into one of those weird circle things that spin in uh the opening credits doesn't it yeah yeah it's like it looks like it could be an umbrella or a satellite dish uh, intentionally of course it's it's definitely meant to evoke both and you got all the imagery of volcanoes in the background and just those beautiful strings and yeah uh, nancy sinatra you only live twice i love this song so much it's it's a really good one this is it's really hard for me to pick a favorite bond song that isn't live and let die Mm, that's fair Uh, but like like that's my favorite for sure and it's not even close but the second favorite that's hard I, i don't know this one's easily my number one i like i've always loved live and let die I definitely grew up on my mom loved Paul McCartney and wings so <laughs> lots of play in the house, but uh, th- this one, it just really does it for me. It's that uh, the, those beautiful lush strings. And I'm just a big Nancy Sinatra fan too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's a good theme. It's, I like the melody. Mm-hmm. And it works really well with the rest of the score. You get a lot of echoes of it in the rest of it. So this has a bit more of a lyrical flair to it. You you have those quieter sections between just the crazy, really zany action. <laughs> oh, the action in this gets ridiculous. I love it. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, it, it, it's definitely a top tier Bond intro. Oh, for sure. Like, it's uh, pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so after the song, we get his extremely elaborate funeral slash escape. He's buried at sea. He is buried at sea in what looks like a plaster cast. Um, yeah. Uh, it, well, it, it, it is sort of a plaster thing. I guess it's more of a bag. Because yeah. he's got like breathing apparatus and shit built into it that he's inside. Yeah, very publicly being buried at sea. So, you know, all the spies are like, yep, that's Bond. He's dead. Right. I mean, they they, they faked his death in Hong Kong to yeah. specifically get him under the radar, which, I mean, it's still an absurd thing. Like, you're putting his picture in the newspapers when you're about to send him off on this mission. <laughs> yeah, it's like... Like later on, it's like, oh, I'm Mr. Fisher. I'm in charge of the import company. Uh, you look an awful lot like the secret agent who was killed at the newspaper. I mean, I I guess at this point, they're not fully aware that it's Blofeld behind it. But it's not like they don't know that Spectre is after Bond personally, because that was the plot of From Russia with Love. Well, that's that's the point. They <laughs> They kill off Bond to get Spectre off his back. I guess, the idea. but it never really. Well, no, it doesn't. Though. It doesn't make sense because they're sending him after Spectre. Yeah, but but the idea is they're not watching him go after Spectre until he interferes with their plans, which takes about two minutes. Well, yeah, I mean, they. I well, that that is sort of the issue is that they don't necessarily realize Spectre is behind this, but they kind of should. It seems like Spectre's M.O. No one else is building spaceships to eat other spaceships other than the supervillain organization. Well, when Bond, when they ask, uh, when I can't remember who he's talking to, but somebody asks him, it's like, okay, well, if it's not Japan or Russia, who is doing it? Bond's like, oh, I think it's Spectre. Yeah, exactly. And I I feel that's almost almost the source of the smugness in the uh, League of Nations meeting or whatever it is. It's like... You guys, you guys, I know neither of you are capable of this sort of thing. 
It's clearly the supervillains. Don't you get this by now? We've yes. sent our man after them a dozen times. <laughs> you guys are always getting manipulated by the supervillain. <laughs> I mean, they really are. They're, yeah, they're yeah. at the brink of war the whole movie. And it's like, yeah. come on, guys, you know that you're not capable of doing it. You know they're not capable of doing it. Although, I guess it was a weird era where the, the intelligence communities of Russia and the U.S. vastly overestimated each other, and especially on the U.S. side, overestimating the capability of the Soviet Union and their technology. <laughs> we need mind control helmets because we know that Russia's working on mind control helmets. Yeah, well, I mean, that's also... that's. That's the Ipcress file, too. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so, I mean, it's it's all sort of uh, rattling around in there. I mean, this is 67. It's the height of the Cold War. Everyone's very paranoid. It's just <laughs> Britain is sort of in the middle of it and not having to deal with much of either side of it. So they're able to laugh a little bit. This is, you know, swing in London in full swing. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if it turned out the whole entire Cold War itself was Spectre? Oh, that'd be a laugh. Yeah, it was all just an internet troll. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the current state of the world. Yeah, it is now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, God. So he has uh, his whole elaborate burial. Let's see, they pick him up in a submarine. Uh, I, I like the formality of a submarine. You know, he's in his naval uniform. <laughs> well, I mean, he has to be buried in his naval uniform. Right. But yeah, it's it's fun to see Bond in his actual official uniform for his rank. Yeah, we don't actually ever see that. I think Any... this is the only time. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he does the whole, like, permission to come aboard before he stands up. Because <laughs> they, they, they peel him out of the bag that they, you know, shipped him or they shot him over in. <laughs> And, uh, you know, M has his office just transplanted to the submarine. Penny, uh, <laughs> Miss Moneypenny is there, of course. Of course. I, I love the relationship between Bond and Miss Moneypenny. There's sexual tension, but only on the outside, and neither one is actually interested in the other. Because Moneypenny sees right through Bond and knows exactly what he is. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a bit of it. I think there is sort of an actual sexual tension only with the Connery Bond. And mm. it definitely goes sideways with Lazenby. It does not work at all. It's weird. Uh, and I think it's okay again in Diamonds Are Forever because weirdly, Sean Connery is the first and third and fifth Bond, I think, arguably. <laughs> uh, uh, so, <laughs> and so my theory is James Bond is just a code name for the secret agent who o occupies the 007 thing. See, you just don't talk about what the other previous James Bond did. Now, that that's a popular fan theory, and that's been uh, stated enough times that they've actually uh, actively shown that that is not the case at oh. all in the movies. And they have Bond. Well, it's actually a big part of On Her Majesty's Secret Service as well, but a big part of uh, Skyfall. Bond goes back to his ancestral home. It is James Bond. It is his home. He is... <laughs> thoroughly hit this man is named james bond mm. so you know it, it's it's a thing that they're like no no they're all james bond we're, we're just supposed to take them all as james bond these are just the adventures of james bond it's just they exist in all these different timelines and they're not <laughs> necessarily in continuity with each other i mean some of them are i, I do like the idea that they are they aren't except for when they are except yeah. for what they aren't 
Yeah, it's it's completely a selective continuity. And I, I would say that in terms of franchises, this is unique in that regard. There's no other ones that really operate like this. So another thing about this bond or about the Connery bonds that's always kind of throws me off at about everything because Goldeneye is my anchor for the Bond series. Hmm. M isn't you, Dame Judy Dench. Right. We've got then, a very stuffy old white guy. Yeah, who is fine, I guess. I like him quite a bit. I, I've always enjoyed um, uh, Bernard Lee, the original M. He's gruff. He's very mm-hmm. weird in the next one. It, oh. it, he's, uh, the, I, I don't know what they're, I, I don't know. Again, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so his whole thing is, like, he's telling Bond, okay, we did this whole fake your death thing so that you can more easily find out what the hell's going on with the rocket eating other rockets. Yeah, we we need you to go uh, actually undercover with this, and I know that's not your thing. Undercover is not really a successful James Bond thing, usually. <laughs> You're overcover. <laughs> when I say... When I say, how are you, Mr. Thompson, and step on your foot, Bond, James Bond. Well, it's not that he can't fake a name or pretend oh, to be can't. someone else. It's just that he can't be low-key. No, he, he He's can't. always going to be the that fucking main character, James Bond. All right, we need you to be undercover as a homeless bum. Okay, but I'm still going to sleep with the first hot woman I find. Yeah, and you he are, will, because he's yeah. Sean Connery. Yeah, one one of my notes in here is like, I really hope he doesn't hook up with the wife, but I know he's going to. Oh, of course he will, you know, of course he does. <laughs> Her name's Kissy Suzuki, are you kidding me? <laughs> uh, yeah, so he finds out he's got to make contact with this uh, Henderson guy, who's, I guess he, so that's the guy who you said is based on Ian Fleming? He, I like, or I don't know be. if, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just Ian Fleming didn't live in Japan. I think he lived in Jamaica, mm. but I think he was sort of, he, he had sort of a Japanophile uh, approach. He, he, he seemed to be very interested in Japan and just, you know, reading You Only Live Twice, you definitely get sort of a weird one of those, like the, the 60s version of a weeaboo where they're just really obsessed <laughs> with the honor of, Japan and, you know, classical samurai honor and shit like that. But the 60s, I mean, that's when the battles didn't have honor or humanity. <laughs> it's it's true, but, you know, they're looking at the history of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, he, he was himself a spy. Like, Ian Fleming true. was one of those dudes, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I always forget that. Oh, uh, yeah, this guy, Charles Gray, uh, who is extremely British, he does play Blofeld in Diamonds Are Forever, the next John Connery Bond movie, which is <laughs> so weird. Man, see, I was so sure that it was always Donald Pleasance because, his, I mean, he's the iconic looking, one. Why would you so cast someone iconic. else? Yeah, I mean, it's so iconic that his entire character was basically just stolen wholesale. Well, yeah, I mean, Dr. Evil is visually directly based on him. The way his voice sounds is based on him. You know, the outfit is based on him. His villainous lair is based on him. It, it even does the million dollars. <laughs> it's all there. It's yeah. all from this movie. I, I really thought I had only seen a couple of Bonds when I first saw Austin Powers. So I really thought that Dr. Evil was like supposed to be an amalgamation of different Bonds villains. But no, he's just this one guy exactly. 
Yeah. So uh, this also this guy uh, Henderson, he's in Rocky Horror Picture Show. He's the criminologist. And the oh, guy okay. Who gives his expert testimony. <laughs> But he's he is so stiff and British, uh, and he he doesn't last long. He doesn't have a have much to say. I think it was just a case where Connery vibed with him. He's like, "Hey, why don't you get that fellow back?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he doesn't do a lot in this movie. Yeah, I mean, he has a few lines where he uh, gets Bond's cocktail wrong, which how do you get that wrong? Everybody knows. Well, you know, it's Bond's only been around for about five or six years now. Maybe it hasn't quite hit the zeitgeist yet. No, it clearly has because it's it's enough that also, it can be a joke right here in the scene. That's that's right, of course. <laughs> so yeah, he no, uh, stead not shaken, correct. Uh, yeah, yes thank you yeah, he, thank he he does not yeah he 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 plays it off completely like he, you don't know that he knows it's a joke but <laughs> but yeah and then you know he he walks over to the paper wall and he pauses in mid-sentence because <laughs> he got knifed he got knifed which also it's very funny the knife just went in and he just stopped yeah yeah he didn't he didn't have like that brutal reaction like the guy uh, from last week, uh, the two orphan vampires, when he got no. knifed in the no. exact same place. Yeah, it just like he, he the knife went in and he just died instantly, still standing up against the wall without any movement. Bond <laughs> goes over and like touches him and he falls over and like the, the knife comes through the paper wall. Like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's like the company that's behind all the stuff is oh yeah yeah of course and like yeah. oh yeah uh, these are the people you're going to have to go after uh it's and then yeah he he just dies instantly and you know bond goes to chase after whoever did it but they're, they're already gone ninjas, ninjas. Oh, no he, he catches this guy he knocks oh, him out right. and takes his outfit oh yeah this is this where is he like, has them carry him <laughs> yeah this is my favorite he like he, he takes his outfit and then he hobbles he sees like the obvious getaway car and hobbles back to it. <laughs> right, the guy's wearing a face like he, he's wearing basically, you know, a, a COVID style mask, a face yeah. mask, and a black bowler hat and just a big trench coat. He's like, oh, all right, puts those on. He hustles into the backseat and like, oh, 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 pretending to be really badly hurt. Yeah, they rush. Like, him oh, to- I better take you back to base. <laughs> yeah, they rush him to the uh, Asato in Heavy Industries Chemical, uh, whatever headquarters building. <laughs> Asato Chemistry Concern. It feels like that place uh, that the Simpsons get uh, oh. stuck in when they go to Japan and have to gut fish all day. <laughs> Knife goes in, guts, guts come, come out. out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good shit. That's what Shugiyama Fishing Medical Concern is all about. It's something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. He, Bond makes him carry him all the way up the elevator, <laughs> and when he finally puts him down on the couch and takes off his mask, Bond's like, "Good evening." And then they have a couch fight, which is so great. Yeah, he, he's me. Bond like throws a couch at this he, guy. Well, there's this whole big couch on the floor, and the guy is yeah. a big bruiser. He's much bigger than Bond, so Bond hits has to yeah. hit him with a couch. I, I thought he was going to be the Bond, the evil henchman. He but does, no, he's just a goon. Yeah, it's weird. He does kind of have a bit of an oddball, oddball, uh, odd job energy. Mm-hmm. He's got kind of that build. But no, he's just a goon, and Bond takes him out, 
you know, by smashing him with the coach. Yeah. And he, he uh, opens up. <laughs> Is this where he opens the safe? Uh, yeah. He, <laughs> like when they're fighting, they knock loose one of the wall panels. One of them opens up like a giant bar. Oh, which, of yeah. course, he helps himself. Uh, that's a beautiful bar. It, it is incredible. A hidden bar in the wall that comes out and it's full of mirrors and yeah. it's got all sorts of stuff. Although he, he takes his even oh Siamese vodka <laughs> <laughs> and then he notices the safe right uh, <laughs> this is such a great gag too it's so I good love this one it's so tense and so long he's like trying to crack the safe like sweating trying to be so quiet because there's guards patrolling outside the room i really like the device and... he has for it where he he like sticks this device on its little view screen and it's like he's getting one number at a time and, yep. and the guy one of the things as well the guys are going past because he can see them because it's one of those paper walls even though they had to yeah. go through this incredibly heavy door to get into it like <laughs> you could have just dived through the wall guy that's not what you do though <laughs> i know i mean it's not right but <laughs> if you're a spy anyway yeah the the very long grad i i really dig this uh machine that he uses there's a much stupider version of it in honor majesty secret service <laughs> that is slower but hands off mm, okay <laughs> yeah so like he's timing it so that the sounds that the machine makes will only happen when the guards footsteps are it's it's so elaborate yeah and these guys he finally gets it yeah he waits for the guys to go by that they're out of the way and they're like they've finally gotten far enough down the hallway that he's like okay i can open the door and you're like, clunk and all the alarms in the place go off <laughs> so loud <laughs> he, he just like grabs a handful of stuff and shoves it in his pocket and goes and stands next to the door even though like again there's a whole paper wall right next to the door. <laughs> yeah, but but he stands like he hides kind of behind the filing cabinet, and then when the guards run by, yeah, he just I've sneaks done this out all the time at Goldeneye. <laughs> oh yeah, hide, like next to the door frame, they'll run right by you. This works. It, I've seen people do this in real life. Oh yeah, no, it totally works. It is the best spy move I've seen James Bond do. Because yeah, he just like oh, like zip, <laughs> gets out of there. <laughs> Yeah, but like when we were younger and doing it, playing Goldeneye and other like multiplayer games, we had a name for this. We just called it the wall trick. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's not much of a trick, but it works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he manages to get out and Aki, we totally skipped over the introduction, went right to the Henderson bit, but Aki right. shows up and rescues him. Right, so first uh, which, Aki, what, what was her initial appearance? She shows up in the sumo thing. Oh like, yeah, they go to he, the sumo. He's supposed place. to find out how to contact Henderson. Right, and we and have they go to the sumo thing, and we have the whole thing about the code word being "I love you." Yeah, it's like Money Penny says to him, "Is like the code word is I love you." Say it. Say it back. Say it back he's to like, me. I think I get it. <laughs> <laughs> like, ooh, cold. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, they they go to the sumo place and uh, they they meet up and then she runs off. Yeah, um, but no, she takes she takes him to Henderson. This oh, is the time where she runs this off. is the time she runs off and he she he, she takes him to the happy fun slide. Yeah, she yeah. takes him like to the subway and like she he's chasing her and then she stops just waiting for him. Well, she pauses she at the, the bottom of a staircase. He's like, mm -hmm. hmm, all right, and he. 
he slowly comes forward and then the the ground tilts and he goes down the slide yeah he goes down the slide right into tiger tanaka's uh office i love tiger tanaka one of many tiger tanaka is awesome as uh tetsuro tamba uh and man he is so cool (laughs) tiger tanaka (laughs) what what a baller (laughs) yeah he he's he's like the japanese version of m yeah is my understanding yeah essentially he's one of those uh he he is the main guy for japanese secret service uh we we sort of have characters like this in a lot of bond films there's a turkish version of this guy in from rush with love who i also adore uh felix Leiter is a is a cia guy who he collaborates with a bunch of different times well of course yeah although uh, felix Leiter is not the head of the cia no, no, that's Whereas true. These guys are the head for their country. They're the main guy. Mm-hmm. This guy, he has his secret base underground. Nobody knows what he looks like. He's got his own train. He's got his own train. <laughs> he's got his own train with an office in it. And he's like, I assume your M has a similar setup. Oh, yes, of course. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, obviously. We've got tubes. Sure. <laughs> Although, you know, I feel like maybe there is a secret M tube station that they kind of refer to isn't there something like that in skyfall i wonder I if that's don't a... remember skyfall at all I, it's it's been a few years since i last watched it but that it, it, it's striking me that there is a se- sequence where there is a secret abandoned tube station that you know our villain hacks into because our villain's a hacker in the 2000s right <laughs> uh, i don't remember but I, I could see that being actually just them kind of doing a reference to this that I've never picked up before. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> uh, so th- this guy, uh, uh, Tetsuro Tamba, Tiger Tanaka, we have uh, watched another movie with him in it quite recently. Oh, He was in oh. Shogun's Shadow. He was Lord Hota, uh, the guy who was taking care, like the, the main, not the main, but like the guy who was... Uh, the head of the clan who is taking care of the kid. Oh, cool, cool. He's also in Rikio. Oh, no, I love Rikio. Oh, we got to do that someday. And in uh, the excellent uh, 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 Studio Ghibli film, The Cat Returns, he's the voice of the Cat King. Oh, cool. He's cool. also I in seen that one. Oh, that one's pretty cool. He's in one of the Battles Without Honor and Humanity. Oh, so so he he's he's kind of a big star. Oh yeah, this guy's in all sorts of cool stuff. I I've seen tons of stuff he's in. Like he's in a couple of the others in that set. Uh, with like he's in the Fall of Echo Castle as well. Uh, probably a couple others. So yeah, really cool dude. I I'm I just what a rad character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Bond shows him all the stuff that he got out of the safe, which isn't a whole lot, but it, it turns out to be super useful. Right, it's very um, mysterious what they have at this point. Just because yeah. they they can't figure out what the point of any of it is. Yeah, yeah. One of it is like a photo of a of a uh, cargo vessel. It's two photos uh, of a cargo vessel. Oh right, yeah. And a micro dot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a note on the micro dot that says that the person who took this photo was uh, liquidated. Dealt with, liquidated. That's the word they used. Yeah. I was like, well, why were they liquidated for taking this photo? No, I can't imagine what, what uh, problem it would be. Uh, so I, is it right here where they do the compare, the overlay to compare the two photos? Or is that uh, later where they realize that it had been 
unlaid. That's later. Okay. That that's later. This is just this is them just identifying the ship, and they're like, "Hey, the let's Ming see if po. we can identify that coastline." Yeah, the the Ming Po, who of course is registered to Osaka. Fuck, what is it? Osato. 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 Osato Chemical or whatever industries. We also find out that on the shipping manifest is a whole bunch of locks, which is like some kind of salmon. Yeah, salmon. But it's also a word for rocket fuel. Liquid oxygen. Yeah. L-O-X. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're not yeah. like, well, I can't imagine that they're, you know, you don't have a huge Jewish population. You're probably not. It's not that kind of locks. These aren't for bagels locks. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking maybe it's this version, L-O-X, liquid oxygen, which is used in rocketry. And, you know, we're, we're investigating some, someone with the crazy rocket shit. So. Yeah. So there's a good chance that this, uh, that this is a huge clue that uh, definitely links Osato with the. Uh, Whoever it is, mm-hmm. with whoever's behind it, and who do you think it is, James Bond? Oh, I think it's Spectre. Yeah, there we go. I mean, it's probably Spectre. It's usually it's Spectre. It's gotta be Spectre. I mean, it's mean, been Spectre every ones. time. Uh, you yeah. know, the first well, one, Dr. No is an agent of Spectre. Second one from Rush With Love, Spectre is out for revenge against James Bond for uh, killing Dr. No. Okay. Thunderball, uh, it's Spectre. I don't think Goldfinger was Spectre. Goldfinger is Spectre. <laughs> he is Spectre? Yeah, he's with Spectre too. Oh shit, I <laughs> thought he was his own thing. No, I mean, they're they're all associated. So at, at this point, Spectre's really pissed at Bond. <laughs> so he keeps taking I mean, out their plans. So of course, it, it's always going to be Spectre. Yeah, it's always Spectre. In all of the, in every single Connery Bond, it is Spectre. There is not a single one that it is not. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> it's it's Blofeld again in uh, uh, both of the other ones. Hmm. All right. <laughs> well, it's good that we know it's Spectre. And let's have a bath scene. Oh, yeah, the bath scene. There's even a poster for this. Yep. Where Tiger Tanaka uh, helpfully explains to Bond, in Japan, we have a saying. The men come first, and the women come second. Yeah. Oof. Uh, I mean, mm. it, it, Japan was a very masculine forward culture, and it, it kind of still continues it to be. Still so it, it's it's not entirely inaccurate. Uh, it's it, just yeah, you know they're he's not wrong. No, it's just it's it's weird. It's a very strange sequence. Each of them are bathed by five women. Uh, Bond chooses. They are very much prevent presenting it as this is a good thing about japan oh yeah it's hot and uh, you know they're they're in these cool baths i do love the baths by the way the baths themselves are awesome uh (laughs) but yet another like amazing set from this oh yeah every like ken adam is the guy who who did the set design for the classic bond movies he also did them for it press file oh and uh wasn't the music the same music was also john barry yeah same cool. same like a lot of crossover between them uh, i think they're both eon films probably or eon productions and they're both filmed on the same uh back lot of the whatever it's called uh, i should know this uh the uh something studio shit uh i don't know i'll come up with it it'll come back to me <laughs> uh but w- what was i saying where, where uh... we get here about uh we're talking about the bath scene. The bath uh, scene. Uh, the, uh, the the set design. Oh, yeah, how we love the bath set. Oh, yeah, and Ken Adam and everything and all of that. And, yeah. Uh, I I love 
you know, they, they do the bassing. They're each bathed by five ladies. And then yeah. Bond is to choose one woman. He, he chooses the guy and Tiger's line, good choice, Bond son. She's very sexyful. Sexyful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so funny. Sexyful. They are, fascin- <laughs> they are fascinated by your chest hair, Mr. Bond. In Japan, we don't have chest hair. Uh, what does his uh, Confucius say? Man with or uh, bird make uh, bird bird does not make nest. Bird never make nest in bear tree. Bird never make nest in bear tree. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very true. Uh, I I just sexiful feels like an Austin Powers. Sexiful does, and yeah, it is. Anytime I think of Tiger Tanaka, the word sexiful immediately comes to my mind. <laughs> Good choice, Bonson. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Aki switches with the yes with the massage person, yeah. and and they do a fuck. Well, they, they I do they get it well, on they, here? I don't know if they I do think it. it's later. I don't know if they do actually. It definitely later. They they do a kiss at least. Yeah. I I don't know if they they get it on here. They definitely do uh, later. I, and there's a whole thing with Aki and he, that's sort of the romance he has in this movie. More so than the stage wife, which is that's yeah. a whole weird thing. Oh, I have some words about that. It's the most (laughs) problematic element of this movie. Like everything about that in terms of the way he's going undercover. It's just it's it's disastrous. And I think it is one of the things that straight out of the book. One of the few things that they Mm. did use. Oh, this is not the thing you keep. (laughs) I mean, it was unique. (laughs) It was 1967. This is like the same year as Breakfast at Tiffany's, maybe. Oh, <laughs> have you seen Breakfast at Tiffany's? Do you know what I'm talking uh, about? No, oh. no, I haven't. Uh, a great movie with Audrey Hepburn, but it has uh, a character by uh, Mickey Rooney that is. Oh, ooh, it's, I, I think yeah, you probably have. Oh, actually, no, that's six years earlier. That's 1961. This is this is a little less excusable. <laughs> Yeah, but first he has to go undercover as a bit British, I don't know, import guy, whatever. Yeah, he's just pretending to be a business. He's kind of pretending to be a corporate spy, which is fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. He's like, he's like, I'm a corporate spy. Yeah, I am a spy, a corporate spy. Uh yeah, they they <laughs> he, he he goes back to the same place that he had just broken into the previous night. Yeah, and, and the security guard takes him up the elevator, and I swear that this security guard is looking at him and being like, this sure looks an awful lot like the guy that we chased out who shot one of our guys last night, but yeah. that's none of my business. Well, and, and as well, when these guys see him, how do they not know he's James Bond? It's genuinely surprising to me when you find out that Brandt didn't know he was James Bond, because I thought that's why she had sex with him. I... It blew my mind. Yeah. Like, even coming back to it this time, rewatching it, it was like, wait, she didn't know he was Bond? I thought that's why she had sex with him, to be the last person to fuck James Bond before she killed him. Yeah, <laughs> it's but... It's strange. No. No, it isn't. I mean, it, it was it was entirely just, hey, that guy's hot, I'm going to bang him, and then I'm going to kill him. Yep. Which I think happens pretty soon. But yeah, Helga Brandt is the secretary who's sort of the... She she's the evil lady in this. You always got to have one evil specter lady. Yeah, always. You know, par- it's part of the formula. Yeah. You got your femme fatale who will, who's not usually not going to turn over to the good guys. Uh, usually lesbians. There's like a handful of lesbians. 
there, it, in Goldfinger, there is, although she has sex with Bond and then she turns to good, obviously. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, from Russia with Love, it is also the, you know, it's the, the lesbian who's grooming the lady who is pretending to fall in love with Bond, who does fall in love with Bond. Complicated. Right, right. <laughs> so this one, hey, she's not a le- not an evil Ian Fleming lesbian. So there is that. <laughs> that's that's true. She appears to be straight throughout. She's definitely into Bond, but then who isn't? Yeah. Well, I guess this guy isn't. This uh, the the boss Osato himself. He's not that Osato. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's like, oh well, what happened to the other guy? Oh well. You know, he died. It's a, it's oh, a thing, he, but... I think he says he fell into a pulping machine or something like that. Yeah, that's what it was. He he fell into a pulping machine. Oh, very unfortunate. Or he had a pressing engagement. Oh, oh, oh wait, I forgot. Oh. Giving myself away. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I should stop giving Bond one-liners when I'm undercover. And Asado has like an x-ray built into his desk so he can look and see if bond has any weapons on him super which he does of course he does and there's the thing of course he does there's the thing where he goes to open uh, he says like oh bonson would you like or no i don't remember what name he uses but like would you like a a drink he's like it seems kind of early because he thinks maybe the dead guy might still be in there (laughs) because he closed it before he left right <laughs> i never i never made that connection because <laughs> he's watching very tensely as he opens up the the bar and then he's like who <laughs> relieved when he closes it when he opens it up and it's like are you sure you don't want any it's a whatever i don't remember what it is and he's like oh well maybe actually <laughs> I, i'm not that yeah. <laughs> against morning drinking to be fair i am james bond mm-hmm yeah, so they have like a little 10 second meeting where they discuss shop, and Bond is like, Well, I'm satisfied. I'm going to leave. <laughs> and Osado's like, Kill him. Yeah, kill him. Uh, he almost seems like he shouldn't even be out of earshot by the time he says, Kill him, quite honestly. <laughs> and then, yeah, he, he steps out the door, and a bunch of guys with machine guns follow him out to kill him, but almost exactly the same way Aki rides up in a convertible and rescues him. I feel like this is. This might be the third time she's done this. It's a, definitely the second. Definitely at least twice the exact same way. Even in the exact same mm-hmm. place. Both this times the were same here building. In this driveway. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And but but uh, this is the so one where they give chase, right? Yeah, this oh. is the one where because it starts with them doing a drive-by, yeah. uh, which of course doesn't take you can't take James Bondo with a drive-by. He he on. ducks. Uh and then yeah, she yeah. he he <laughs> dives into the car with Aki and Oh man, they they call in some reinforcements when they get chased. Yeah, so it starts it starts with a car chase, a pretty basic one. Yeah. But you know, they're just trying to get out of town, and she's like, "Okay, well, let's give them the usual reception." He's like, "Oh, what's that?" And he's like, "Oh, here, check Fucking... it out. I've got this cool video screen, so you can watch it magically from any angle you want." And <laughs> <laughs> fucking magnet copter oh, the magnet copter is the coolest thing uh fucking helicopter comes down it's got one of those magnets like in uh junkyard it picks up yeah, the car yeah, like... it, which is, it's a great effect of them actually picking up a, a car with a magnet from a helicopter and pulling it driving off of a road incredible oh cool it's like you can see them yeah. do it in real time yeah, yeah, they they lift this car up and just drive it over like 
and drop it into the ocean from like 600 feet. They, they, I, I believe they drop it into Tokyo Bay. And right. uh, I love the way all of these guys are acting when they're in the car and they're all like just flailing their arms around because you know, they're trapped in this car and a magnet on a helicopter. It's, it's so worth watching all of them closely. They're, they're so funny. Yeah, like you're stuck in a car. You're 600 feet above the bay. What the fuck are you gonna do? Nothing. That's <laughs> but what. they're all just flailing wildly. It's so funny. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's a good thing they didn't need information from these guys. They know who sent them. Yeah, I mean, there's like, well, I mean, I've been. They they've tried to kill me at a Sato Chemical twice. I better go back there. <laughs> Yeah, like I heard him say, kill him. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't far enough away. Uh, Let's go check out the dock. Yeah, but first, well, first he says, uh, before he goes to check out the dock, he tells he tells Tiger Tanaka to call uh, to call Britain for little Nellie oh, and her father. Yeah, send little Nellie, make sure her father is there to accompany her. So her father, of course, is Q. Little Nellie is yeah. that amazing fucking little mini helicopter. We don't get to yeah, it doesn't play show with up just, just yet. yet. No. So they, they go back to the docks. Yeah, they go to the dock. Uh, of course, the Ningpo is there. They've got all these huge tanks of quote-unquote synthetic turpentine. Yeah, and he touches them and they're cold to the touch. It's like, it's, you know, this is obviously liquid oxygen. The, this, is, this is the shit we're looking for. The, these are the guys. Yeah, yeah, these are the guys. I mean... They already big, had a big neon sign saying that these are the guys, but they are the guys. Yeah, like we know that they're sinister. Now we know that they're also involved in the rocket fuel business. So these are the people. We, I, I've been finding uh, the right thing every step of the way. Hundreds uh, percent uh, score for Bond. Yeah, and you know, just to confirm it, we've got thugs beating him up or trying yeah, to beat him. A up. whole bunch of them come after him. There's a guy who tries to run him over with a forklift. Yeah. I love the long shot of like him on the rooftop, the helicopter, like it's a helicopter yeah, yeah. shot from so far away. Just him battling a whole bunch of dudes over the entire length of the roof until he jumps off into some soft stuff. <laughs> yeah, he jumps off into like some soft cardboard boxes. This is another one of those great jokes. Yeah. He does like all this elaborate shit to escape from him. And then he finally like slows down, takes a deep breath, and then just gets clonked in the back of the head immediately. Yeah, it was, it's right there. Like he jumps off the building, he lands in the boxes, and then uh, he he like gets down off, like whew, and he like straightens himself, and <laughs> someone blackjacks him from behind, like <laughs> yep. and he wakes up back at a soda <laughs> chemical, I think, right? Uh, no, he wakes up on the Ningpo. Oh, right, in with um, Brant. Brant Rant's uh, private cabin. <laughs> so this all is tied up and all. Yeah, that. Th- this is where she's like, oh, I, I may as well have sex with this guy before I kill him. And I, I totally thought that it was because she knew he was Bond. And it's like, oh, yeah. yeah, let's let's bang James Bond to be the last person to bang James Bond before I uh, drop him out of a plane. Her way of killing him is overly <laughs> convoluted. Like she thinks oh. she's a much higher level supervillain than she is. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah she she thinks she's a bond filler but she's like a henchman of a henchman of a henchman yeah she's way lower level than she seems to think she is so <laughs> there's the whole thing where he's trying to buy her off and he admits quote unquote that he's a corporate spy 
And she's like, I know. It's like, yeah, I know you're a spy. <laughs> Which again, that's why I thought she knew she, uh, why I thought she knew he was Bond. Yeah. But like, like there's a whole conversation later on that confirms that neither of them knew. No. And it's totally, she was actually into it. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I could get in on that deal, but maybe I could just cut you out of that deal too. So she, she yeah. puts him in the back of a plane after they have sex, <laughs> she seduces him. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah. <laughs> they get in this plane over the bay, like going over Tokyo Bay again. And I, I don't remember exactly what's said, but then she's like, anyway, uh, screw you. And she just like presses a button, a fucking log goes over his legs and she just ejects out of the plane. <laughs> yeah, he, he just breaks the board because that's all it is. It's a wooden board that's like kind of trapping his hands where his lap is right and it right. wouldn't even work if he were like if his hands were up right it's like a two by four sort of thing where it has gone over <laughs> yeah. his his hands and uh legs so they're just stopped but yeah he sets off a flare he manages to stop the plane from crashing well i mean yeah it doesn't crash hard he he crash lands yeah. and gets out yeah you know it's uh any landing you can walk away from, right? Yeah, exactly. Especially if you're James Bond, you want to destroy the plane. <laughs> if you're walking away from an explosion, that's better. Oh, God, yeah. And this ex- this plane explosion is really good. I like it, because it blows up twice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a big explosion. You got some real good explosions in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is where he comes back, and they, they find out, or Q has arrived, I think, right? You has arrived. Tanaka's all like, oh, well, you shouldn't chase strange girls. And Aki's like, oh, well, he would never sleep with that evil woman, would you, James like, Bond? <laughs> no, no, of course not. Oh, no, never more than once. Is, is when he, I can't remember, when he's sleeping with her, doesn't he, like, just before, like, he starts to uh, undress Brandt, and he's like, the things I do for England... <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what he says. How does she not know he's James Bond? <laughs> Why would he be doing it for England if he's not a spy? If he's a corporate spy, that doesn't make sense. It's, it, I mean, it's it's the same as the kill him. Like, uh, what was that you said? <laughs> I, oh, oh, I told her to kill you. Oh, oh. that's mean. I see. Oh, that that makes sense. <laughs> Is it because I'm James Bond? You're who? You're James Bond. Like, oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> Good to know where I stand. Uh, and he, uh, Q, shows up with the all of these suitcases from which to build little Nelly. Q is not happy about this he's like why am i here <laughs> why did you make her come to japan i didn't need to be here they're gonna build the copter you already know how to use it i'm i'm just here because the audience wants to see me i i like to imagine that it's like bond considers q kind of his lucky charm he really likes to just mess with him it's so much fun oh. to uh get a gadget from him and he was like don't destroy it this time he's like ah, i definitely won't he's like you're gonna destroy it and like yeah <laughs> every single bond movie don't break my shit i'm gonna break your shit i can't wait I to break this are. it's going to be so much fun to destroy this thing it seems very expensive uh <laughs> <laughs> so little Nelly is just this cool toy helicopter that has 
so many weapons. So <laughs> many weapons. I can't believe this didn't get into any bot video game. As we were saying when you were watching the movie, we were texting about it. This is a movie that should have a a movie version. There's so much in it. All of the the locations would be so rad. Yeah, like like it wouldn't be a first person shooter game like Goldeneye is. It'd be more like a Grand Theft Auto, I think. You'd have to have vehicle action like you would need to have like the whole helicopter battle sequence so this this yeah. sequence he goes out to search for the the hidden lair the hidden rocket pad yeah. and yeah, they they found out from the picture which island it is yeah uh and it's it's a, a volcanic island lots of volcanoes on it yeah doesn't find anything remotely out of the ordinary when he does his flyby except for the five helicopters suddenly attacking him yeah they all suddenly rise out of a volcano although he doesn't realize they came out of the volcano or he doesn't know which one they came out of i mean yeah at this point it's got to be obvious to him that it came out of one of these volcanoes it had to but they don't know where can't figure out which one yeah this is a crazy battle sequence this aerial battle uh apparently uh very dangerous stunts one of the stuntmen uh got a foot sliced off by one of the helicopters oh Ooh. my god yeah yikes okay pretty crazy uh but yeah th- mm-hmm. this sequence is nuts he's got all the aerial mines that he drops on that one helicopter <laughs> oh lots of exploding helicopter models on strings which I don't care. I love it. They're love they're it. great. They look awesome. Uh, but just <laughs> that he uses all of the aerial mines on just the one guy uh, always makes oh, me yeah. laugh. And you know he's well, got all of the rockets on the front. He's got all the machine guns. It's Chekhov's Q gadget. If Q points it out, he has to use it. Well, he's got to use all of it. <laughs> yes. And this is the yes, only is. scene with Nelly. Yeah, I mean, you don't know if you're going to get in the helicopter again, so you got to use all the gadgets, yeah. all the ammo. Yeah, like, may as well have lots of fun with it. Yeah. It's a pretty cool seeing him just destroying all of these guys, uh, and he comes back and he's like, well, I mean, the base is somewhere nearby. <laughs> yeah, <but, laughs> I don't know uh, where. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, maybe stick around uh, with your helicopter, because the Americans, or no, the Russians are launching a thing right now and uh we want to see where this rocket eating rocket comes from yeah we're, we're pretty sure it's going to be coming from somewhere here and i, I think they're saying to watch for it to land right? yes yeah they're they're walking well yeah they're just they're just watching for it because the launch has already happened so they're pretty sure it's already launched and that it's going to be coming back to wherever right. they are Right, because the next scene is the rocket eating the Russian thing. <laughs> yeah, more rocket eating rocket. Awesome. <laughs> These scenes are pretty good. I like the music that it uses here. Mm-hmm. Very ominous. Uh, mm-hmm. The the space like, theme of this. Yeah, and like there's this whole. It's hard to explain. It just feels like we're dealing with something with technology greater than what currently exists. Mm-hmm. Like it could be aliens at this point. Yeah, it, it, it's not because it's James Bond. Right. But, you know, James Bond never goes alien. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a very heightened technology. We're we're dealing with supervillains. Uh, yeah, and so yeah, I think this is where we finally meet Ernst Stavro Blofeld with his face. Well, no, not no, no. His face doesn't come until much much later. Oh, right. Him and Bond are face to face. This is where he we he, see the cat. Yeah, and he says, "Kill Bond." 
<laughs> kill Bond. Uh, it's the the very high pitched kill Bond that always. <laughs> I love that. But up up until this point, you know, Blofeld has been in all of the movies, and mm-hmm. uh, all right, all right, maybe he's not in Doctor No. I think he's not in Doctor No. You know, uh, I think you're right. But we know that, uh, like Doctor No, tells Bond that he's part of Spectre. Uh, but we have seen his hands in the cat in all of them. Mm. So that's been Blofeld up to this point. Yeah. And of course, Inspector Gadget, Dr. Claw is 100% this. Oh, completely. Uh, Except that we never see his face, except for that terrible toy that I'm going to (laughs) pretend doesn't exist. (laughs) Where he just looks like a generic old man. Yeah, it was was a stupid choice. Yeah. But I mean, they had to make a toy, right? They should have put a mask on him or something. That would have been the obvious choice. But hey, I'm not a toy maker. No, what you should have done was you should have done what they did in the theme song for Inspector Gadget, where the toy package, you only see the back of the chair. And then when you buy the toy, it's so the toy is just an arm, an arm on a spring. <laughs> I think a lot of kids would be very upset. And a lot of parents would be very upset. Oh, parents would be livid. <laughs> I mean, kids would get it, but they'd also be like, that's a drag. <laughs> see, you know, I honestly thought. When I was a kid, for the longest time, not forever, but for quite a while, that Dr. Claw didn't have a body, and he was just a magical, evil arm. Oh, weird. See, I always kind of assumed he was kind of a robot, that he had sort of a robot body, that he had, Um, like, metal arms and shit. I don't know. Cyber Dr. Claw makes a lot of sense, especially as as a nemesis to Inspector Gadget. That should have been explored more. I was kind of always picturing, basically, Hordak from she-ra as uh, the uh villain but you know more robotic version with metal arms mm-hmm. <laughs> but neither <laughs> of them are any ernst stavro blofeld no. i mean just the, the gravitas i love just the that they've spent five movies hyping this guy up with just having these hands and him petting this white cat and just killing people who are the main villains like he's getting rid of the main villains because they haven't done well enough killing james bond yeah 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 uh and he's overseeing this whole uh rocket eating or operation yeah and he because we see the, the the thing return to the volcano. We don't see yeah. the exterior, but we actually get to see the incredible fucking volcano lair ninja base. With oh, my God. With a helipad. Oh, and this place is man, just unbelievable. This is, this is probably what most people think of when they think villain lair. Well, yeah, it's so insane. Like, this was unbelievably expensive it it took <laughs> so bet. much money they, this was so over budget uh people like the, the company was not happy with ken adam uh, <laughs> although it did ultimately turn out to be pretty fucking cool did it cost more than one million dollars you know i think it probably did i bet it did uh i i remember the name of the the studios pinewood studios mm. so pinewood studios feel- and this is just a huge fucking Pinewood Studios set, which is insane. It's a set. <laughs> yep, this was uh, built. They built a fucking volcano lair with a launch pad for a spaceship and a working monorail. Yeah, I mean, come a on, working monorail. Uh, <laughs> like the launch pad for the spaceship and the launch pad for the helicopter move around and switch places inside the lair. Okay, this and is... hidden under 
a hydraulic fake lake that retracts into a mountain. Come on, that's the coolest. Oh, and it's an so active cool. volcano. This is all on an active volcano. Well, they say it's dormant, but, you know, it becomes pretty active. Yeah, I mean, it's clearly active at the end, so it's, it's an active cool. volcano. Yeah. Blofeld is talking to the foreign collaborators who set all this up. And we don't ever find out what country it is because it's not their plot. It's Blofeld's plot. Yeah. It's, and, it's a specter <laughs> plot. Yeah. And, and just to drive the point home, he's like saying to him, I'm going to need my $100 million now, actually. But let me first demonstrate my piranha pool. I love his piranha pool. How cool is his it's a, a piranha moat. It's a, a moat. Yes. Yeah. In his bedroom. It, I, I would say it's his boardroom. It's his meetings room. He calls Although it his it's, apartment. It's kind of a living room. There's some nice furniture in there. You got a library even. Yeah. 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 It's uh, it's his living quarters. It I is. It's, it's his whole space. And he's got a piranha moat around it. And uh, <laughs> is, <laughs> does he kill Brant here? He doesn't kill Brant here. Not yet. Actually, no, he does, I think. I think it's just um, some other guy this first time, isn't it? Maybe. Uh, no, he doesn't kill any of the foreign dignitaries. He does. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe look, this actually. is where he kills Brant because I know it's pretty soon after this because uh, uh, Osato and Brant both show up and he's like, why didn't you kill Bond? Oh. And he's like, that was Bond? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that that is now. The dignitary saying to Blofeld, but the deal was that we were going to give you the money after World War Three broke out. This is extortion. And he's like, yes, I am extorting you. He's like, I'm yes. a fucking terrorist. Extortion. That's the third letter of Spectre. Don't you Don't you get it? <laughs> I'm a super villain. Or wait, no, I think it's the last E. It's the final E of Spectre because it's the special executive for... Something, something. Something, he does say... terrorism, revenge, and... Espionage. No, not espionage. Extortion. Yeah, he does say to him, like, extortion is my business. It is literally his business. He's the head of Spectre. It's in their name. Yeah, so then he calls up Osado and Brand, who, uh, interesting bit of synergy, is number 11. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the 11-themed show. Yeah. I definitely didn't do that on purpose. No, but it's also just weird uh, Asian <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I love finding weird coincidences. So, uh, Brant, they, they they both are stunned, stunned that that was Bond. That was James Bond? Really? You should have killed him. No, you should have killed him. He's like, well, I didn't know it was Bond. Like, how did you not know it was Bond? It's like, well, um... You should have known know. he had sex with him. I, I guess they don't even address that. It's like, did, no, did that don't. happen? Uh, <laughs> maybe they don't even know about it. But Osato's like, it's her fault. She was supposed to kill him. I signed it to her. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay, well, you know what? Uh, normally I would say you failed me for the last time, but yeah, get out of here. Go give it another shot. I mean, and, he, he basically does exactly this same thing in From Russia With Love. <laughs> this scene exists. <laughs> a version of it. It's, it's not a piranha pool. It's someone with a poisoned shoe. Oh, uh, Okay. Uh, so Osato gets over the boat to the piranha pool, <laughs> but Blofeld's got a foot pedal to yeah. drop the bridge. So Brant tumbles in and she's devoured by piranhas. 
and we, we had seen it demonstrated before by i think he just like lowered a roast in there or something uh yeah a roast yeah. or a turkey he got right. hans the henchman to do it right hans who has nothing to do he's not he, he's sort of he, like the he, big beefy bad guy but he just has one fight later yeah, I mean, you need your giant guy who James Bond can't possibly hope to beat physically, but Jaws does it so much better. Yeah, there's not much to Hans. No. Um, like, that's the thing that the Roger Moore ones got right. Your, your Bond henchman needs a gimmick. Yeah, and the henchmen are usually the more memorable one than your main guy, because like, you don't need a main guy most of the time. I, although time. Mm, I love Drax in Moonraker, it, Drax so, really cracks me up. So I actually thought Doctor Evil's outfit was making fun of Drax, only to realize that Drax was based on Blofeld. Yes. Drax <laughs> is based on him. There again, it's just them redoing the same plot. Yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, Brand is dead, but Osato. Kill Bond. This is where he says ch- it. Yeah, Kill Bond. Kill Bond. He gets another chance, but he doesn't get to really do anything with it. Well, no, because he's not capable of killing Bond, obviously. No, he's an old, he's an actual businessman. What's he he going to do? Yeah, like this guy should be dealing with criminals in a Kurosawa crime film. He's not equipped to deal with a James Bond type threat. No, no, he he never should have gotten bed with a supervillain. <laughs> it's a big mistake. He's just a guy running a chemical company. He's gotten way in over his head. Uh, yeah. So it's time for Tanaka's secret ninja school, correct? Yes. Bond is like, okay, so we know that the base is probably on this island, even though I didn't see anything specific. We were attacked by copters. Do you have commandos? No, I have ninjas. What's a ninja? Ninjas? What are those? (laughs) And we get to find out. Oh, of course. And this is well before Ninja was common parlance. Like up until the 80s, that was not really known quantity in uh, the West. But yeah, in the early 80s, you still had to explain what a ninja was if you're going to put it in your movie. I remember watching the uh, the, uh, what's his name? Fucking uh, the shitty guy. (laughs) No, not as shitty, but lame Mm -hmm. actor. Chuck Norris? Chuck Norris, uh, the Octagon. <laughs> oh my god, I can't believe I got it right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, it, it was the exact right two choices. Seagal is the shitty guy, and like, no, not that shitty. I'm like, oh yeah, Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris. <laughs> so, uh, Chuck Norris, the Octagon, 1980, is this movie where uh, someone, you know, it's it's a ninja movie. It's uh, Chuck Norris dealing with ninjas, and they have to do battle in the Octagon. But there's various points where people are like, oh, yeah, I mean, the secret legend of the ninja. You've never heard of the ninja? Let me tell you what ninjas are. And it's 1980. And it's like, OK, I buy it. That is the beginning of that cycle. But by 87, again, I was I saw Justice Ninja style last week. They're still trying to peddle that secret history of the ninja. It's like it's 1987, dude. You have the missed the mutant, boat. Yeah, the Teenage Mutant <laughs> Ninja Turtles exist now. Everyone yeah. knows what a ninja is. Yeah. We know ninjas. Thank you, sir. <laughs> So Tanaka has this cool fucking ninja camp at Himeji Castle. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, man. I want to visit this castle. I don't know if it's possible. Oh, yeah. But... Uh, yeah it's, no, it's it's totally this. Uh, I, I think it's probably a place you can tour. It is. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. It's the largest and most visited castle in Japan. Oh, shit. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. 
Oh, nice, nice. Like the Taj Mahal. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which was founded by a guy who got in a car accident in 1693. Yeah. So this was, uh, uh, the Himeji Castle was built in 1333. Goes way, way back. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And just fucking cool place. And just such a cool locale for all of these ninja drills. Bond doing ninja drills. Yeah, we got a ninja montage. Hell yeah. And of course, there's there are secret agents within even Tanaka's ninja school. Bond has to kill like a, a secret agent who tries to kill him during a sparring match. Yeah, yeah. Dude's got like a knife hidden inside his staff. Which I guess is to show that they really do need to go so undercover that Bond needs to dye himself brown and <laughs> become <laughs> Japanese. So- this is really, really is the plan. He needs to become Japanese, uh, train in the way of the ninja, and take a wife. Yeah, he's going to do reason, all of them. the wife can't be Aki. Right, I don't really understand. Well, no, because Aki's not from that place. Yeah, yeah. He, it he needs to, to be someone from the place who yeah. happens to be one of his agents. It, it has to be someone who's already locally established, so it's not some yeah. random a random couple both coming in from outside it's a little more believable if there's just this guy who marries this fisherman or fish fisherwoman i guess yeah. they're more diving the the women do the diving i i, I don't really know honestly know. actually yeah that that makes good sense or a lot of sense just this isn't like the place that a newlywed couple would move to to settle down no no not at all and it, you know it's it's a uh, a poor fishing village. Although, yeah, I mean, Bond stands out ludicrously. He's so much taller than anyone else. Yeah, he like he <laughs> slouches for this bit uh, the whole time. Oh, yeah. So are, are we at the point where he does the dying? At, yes, okay. we're at the point where he goes yellow face. <laughs> it's bad. It is the it, it's the the bottom point of this movie and i truly yeah. love this movie but yeah th- this is a big problem sequence it is ludicrous they they stretch his eyes they do all this stuff yeah. they they give him a very comically bad haircut it's just it it looks bad it, it's not good it looks bad but he still doesn't look remotely asian well he doesn't look asian he doesn't look like he fits in he's still clearly like a full head taller than anybody else there it's absurd Mm -hmm. and then we have like and we go straight from that into the second farce of the wedding where he's going to be introduced to the bride at the wedding and he thinks she's going to have the face of a pig bond son and yeah but it turns out of course she's the hot one she's cute she's very cute she's kissy suzuki Mm. yeah i like her yeah she's she's fine uh she's yep she is an ama girl, which uh, means, yeah, she is a diver. She dives for oh, okay. pearls and seafood. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So the thing that bothers me is, like, they're racing the clock here. Do they have time for this big wedding ceremony? They're, they're the head of the Japanese Secret Service. Couldn't they just fake some papers? Uh, I mean, it's it's fun. <laughs> I guess. I, I guess, like, they do know that there's a schedule in terms of there's no uh, space shots for a little bit. You know, for a little bit, yeah. Yeah, you, you know when each of them are, so it's like, well, we may as well do the full ceremony, get properly undercover. Although, 
I mean, it doesn't work out. They know it's him. They they go to try to kill him the first night he's there. Yeah. Well, yeah, the first night. <laughs> or no, maybe there. it's, is it the second night? I think it's the second night because the, no, it is the first night because. It is the first night when Aki shows up. Oh, no, wait, he's, this is before they go to the island, but as he's training as a ninja is when Aki dies. Oh, okay. So it's so, before, it's during the ninja training when they're uh, sleeping together and a specter yeah, this agent. this is actually before the wedding. Oh, okay. That's before the wedding. So yeah, the <laughs> very famous death sequence too, or yeah, famous yeah. Uh, uh, assassin sequence. Yeah. So like they're, they're sleeping uh, together. This is, this is Aki. It's the other one who he doesn't sleep with right away. Yeah. And uh, yeah, an assassin, a ninja, like is sneaking through the rooftops in the rafters and he drops down this thread, like right, dangling right above Bond's mouth as he's asleep. And he's got this thick syrupy stuff, presumably poison. It is a poison. Yeah. Yeah. And he just, I, I don't think I've ever seen this before. Before this is oh, like, I've seen it, it a couple times. The... I've seen other. Uh, I've seen movies copy this. Gross Point Blank does this, and it's clearly just directly in uh, a copy of this. It's, yeah, what I mean is, I don't think I've seen anyone do this before. Bond did this. Oh yeah, no, it, this is a very famous sequence, and it's just been much copied. So like Venture Brothers have done this sequence. They've oh, yeah. also done Brock Sampson dying himself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Venture Brothers is about yeah. 30% of James Bond parody. I would say more so Johnny Quest, but there's a fair mm-hmm. amount of James Bond in there. Oh yeah, no, it's way more Johnny Quest than Bond, yeah. but there is Bond. There's some Bond in there, yeah. Yeah. So he moves and Aki moves and it ends up going into her mouth. Right. She dies. He kills the assassin immediately. And it's like, well, shit. I mean, there's assassins everywhere. So it shows how much they need to be very undercover. Oh, which is why they need to do an actual proper wedding. Of course. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. So they, they do the whole stupid wedding. uh, And Bond, this again, like it's just hit after hit all the worst stuff. You have him getting died. You have the, stupid marriage and then you have him sulking that she won't have sex with him because it's a business marriage (laughs) yeah it's like we're supposed to be husband and wife no you don't understand the boundaries that i put up i'm doing this for a job it's like this is a work thing this this is uh, this is for the the country it's like yes but i have sex with women for the country all the time it's what i do but she's not into it. And it's like, oh, I guess I won't need these oysters then. Because <laughs> <laughs> oysters make you horny. Uh, yeah. So I, I really love that. They, like, he, he's, he's bought all these oysters and like, oh, yeah, this, this is going to be a good night. And she's like, I'm not going to have sex with you. I'm like, what do you mean you're not going to have sex with me? <laughs> but I'm James Bond and you're a woman. It's like, well, I never... <laughs> Well, you will before the end of the movie. I mean, she will. He he's right. She will. He, he would be right there. Yeah. So it's at this point where I was like, I hope she doesn't have sex, but I know. Yeah, come on, you know. So you know, she is. She's aware. Like she has heard about these people who died, right? Like a couple <laughs> people died because of outflow from a cave, like some gas. Yeah, yeah. They they like their boat drifted into the cave. And then when they came out, the people were dead on the boat. Nobody's really sure how or why. So Bond's like, okay, I want you to take me to that cave tomorrow. That's probably uh, the mouth of the volcano where there is the entrance to the base. Yeah, so they do. And they find 
poison gas through the cave. What a shock. They have to dive out yeah. of the boat and swim under it. Yep. So it's like, okay, well, this tunnel's going to go right up to the volcano. So I bet that volcano is the hideout. Right. Let's climb. Yeah, let's let's head up there. And they have this... Again, it's it's one of these quiet moments in the movie where it gets soft and lyrical and we watch them travel. We get the instrumental version of the theme. I think it's called mm-hmm. uh, uh, Volcanoes and Sunsets or something. Beautiful, beautiful piece of music. And yeah, they, I, they get it on because it's so romantic. Of course. <laughs> she didn't last long. Her, her uh, disagreement her with sleeping with Bond. It, I mean, it, it didn't even last 24 hours. Yeah, yeah. They they take a break to do a makeout, and Bond sees a helicopter flying overhead going into the crater. He's like, oh shit, we're here. Uh, <laughs> this is it. Well, well let's, let's just finish this off, and then we'll uh, head up there in, in the evening when it's dark, which is what they do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they get up there, but fuck. Where would a helicopter go? There's a lake. I, I love this. He he walks down to it. I was like, well, I, I don't know. And he, they throw a rock to see what happens. And he just... Bum, 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 bum. It's bum, so bum. incredibly <laughs> fucking loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like asking her, he's like, how deep are these lakes normally? Oh, super deep. Yeah. I mean, they can go way down there. I mean, it's a volcano. I was like, all right, let's yeah. give it a shot. Oh. <laughs> Mm-hmm. that's interesting so uh go so he's, yeah, he sends her back yeah go get all the ninjas. Yeah, get tanaka uh, and everyone we, we found the place <laughs> i'm gonna see yeah. if i can infiltrate because i mean we're we're and, getting up to the deadline here yeah oh yeah we we find out that the americans have pushed up the launch for their next uh thing and it's midnight tonight right and it's it's a situation where tensions are so high that if the rocket gets taken, they already have nuclear weapons pointed at Russia to go the second yeah. it happens. It's like the whole Brando thing. Like if my rocket goes up there, and if it if any accident <laughs> happens to it, or if it gets struck by lightning or slips on a banana yeah. peel, I'm gonna blame you. Yeah, I'm gonna nuke the whole world. Just so you know, you yeah. better watch out. So no one better yeah. take my spaceship. So we're going to put the spaceship up. Don't take don't, it. Don't you dare take it. So yeah, Bond infiltrates. He he gets... I'm going to take the spaceship. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> Bond gets into... I, I love him just getting into the place because the the thing opens up. Is it when the rocket goes or is it just a helicopter leaving or um, something? It's just a helicopter going up, I think, in or out. Right. When he uh, puts on his suction cup Suction cups. He does a human fly down the thing. That's so rad. Yep. Yep. He's like crawling on the ceiling to get down. And he sees just and tons yeah, of activity. It's a, This is a hive yeah. of villainy. He sees all the crazy shit. Uh, I love the little service, like the monorails that have different kinds of service cars on so them. So cool. The Just that there's a monorail in this lair. That's so rad. So so Bond takes the monorail, he finds the two rooms full of astronauts, and they're all just hanging out, comparing notes. It's like, oh yeah, what do you do in your space program? That's kind of (laughs) neat. Oh, uh, we call it cosmonauts in Russia. Oh, cool. Yeah, everyone's pretty chill, and Bond comes and gets them. I was like, hey guys, why don't you cause a whole bunch of trouble? (laughs) Hell yeah, we do. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so they beat up a bunch of guards and take their outfits yeah they they just start filtering out into the rest the, the chaos bond just sows chaos everywhere yeah bond actually beats up one of the spectra as- astronauts and takes his space suit mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and, and he thinks he's, oh, I'll just fake my way onto the rocket. This will be easy. Yep, yep. They're going up, and he's about to go in, and Pleasance, or uh, Blofeld's like, whoa, hold on. That guy. That's not an astronaut. Yeah, something, bring him here. Bring that guy. Bring him to me. Bring him to me. Uh, because bring him to because me. he didn't take a, he didn't put down his air conditioner. He yeah. brought it with him. Yeah. It's like, so, any astronaut would know not to bring that. And this is where we finally see his face. Yeah, so the, the huge guy, Hans, is standing in front of Blofeld, blocking him. And Blofeld's like, oh, James Bond, we finally meet face to face. And I love how we see him. He sticks his head out from behind <laughs> Hans's ass. A peekaboo. <laughs> and he is Dr. Evil. It's the, yeah, it is completely Dr. Evil. You have Donald Pleasance with the eye scar, so it looks kind of droopy. And he's bald. Yeah, he's his eye scar is better than Dr. Evil's, way better, of course. Way better. Way better. Uh, and that, that exact outfit, it is the same outfit. <laughs> now, <laughs> Bond is not dressed like uh, Austin Power in this. No. He is. Wait, in this? He is dressed as Austin Powers in Honor Majesty's Secret Service. I think I have to see that one. <laughs> we'll talk about it in a bit. All right. <laughs> so yeah, we, uh, such a great introduction. You, you, we, we finally see the face of Blofeld. He's got the cat, he's got the suit, yep. and he just, he hates Bond so much. Bond has been the thorn in his paw for five movies now. Yeah, for like almost a decade, he's been fucking up Blofeld's plans. And he's like, I thought you were dead, Mr. Bond. Oh, this is my second life. Oh, yeah. Well, this is my second you life. You only live twice. You only live twice, Mr. Bond. Uh, <laughs> is this where he gets out the cigarette? <laughs> the uh, cigarette almost, missile? Yeah, the... <laughs> we we forgot to mention them in the Q training or no not oh, the Q yeah. training. This was actually uh Japanese uh, secret Tanaka. Tanaka stuff. It's like this cigarette could save your life, Mr. Bond. And <laughs> you sound like yes. a commercial. Uh <laughs> that's right. It's yeah. just a cigarette yeah, with it's... a missile in it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, you know, Blofeld's got Bond right where he wants him. He's about to start World War Three. He's like, you can watch it all on the TV. Oh well, if I have to watch TV, can I at least smoke? Yes, yes. Fine. Get him his cigarettes, and he he pulls out his 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 rocket cigarette, and you can actually see it when he's uh. You can actually see like a little. It's it's like one of those GI Joe toy missiles that would be on like a dreadnought yeah, it's vehicle. Like a little, you can see a nub sticking out of the. You cigarette see the fins. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, Such a neat detail. You didn't, oh, you didn't need to include that in the prop. I know, but you did. I love it. So yeah, he 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 smokes it and he just aims it at some random dude. I like I love that he didn't even the, bother to the dude controlling the hatch. Right. It's the dude like he he's not gonna shoot it at Blofeld. It's more fun. It's like well, let's no, you gotta have an epic confrontation. Yeah. Let's let's get this guy who's holding the hatch and just see what happens when a guy a person gets hit by this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he takes out the hatch guy and opens the hatch, which. Uh... Causes the ninjas to come flooding in. Right, because they're all waiting up top for Bond to uh, open it up. And just it, it, the chaos, the instant, utter, total chaos. There's hundreds of ninjas just rappelling down. There's machine gun fire. You see people taking the ropes too fast and hitting the ground too hard. And someone actually broke a leg here. You can see it Oof. happen. <laughs> 
Yeah, you see ninjas fighting like guards, ninjas fighting uh, technicians who are definitely not meant to be fighting. No, just well, they they're more heavily armed than the ninjas, though. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, Blofeld takes Bond and Osato to his uh, to his private quarters, and he's like, "All right, well, this is the price of failure, Mister Bond." And, and he kills Osato. He shoots, <laughs> he shoots Osato, and I'm just imagining Bond being like. You absolutely should have shot me. Well, uh, it is totally an established characteristic of Lofeld that he mm-hmm. loves to kill his underlings to show how much he dislikes failure. He's like, I don't need to yeah. kill you, Bond. You know, th- this whole thing has blown up in my face, so I'm getting out of here. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I'm killing this guy first because it's his fault. Yeah. <laughs> I just need to show somebody what happens when you fail, and you're the only one who's not busy. Yeah, you need to know. <laughs> so the thing's still closing on the, the capsule all this time. It's it's up there and oh, heading yeah. for it. And uh the US have uh its its code word is imminent. So the second it mm-hmm. gets bit, they're gonna unleash nuclear holocaust. But it turns out there in the control room there is a self-destruct button for the rocket eater. But the key to the self-destruct is held by the big guy. Right. So Bond has to try to fight him. Yeah. And of course, oh, Blofeld tries to shoot Bond and he gets his hand shurikened. Right. That, that is great. And he he takes off in one of the monorails. So yeah. Speeds off in one um, of the monorail cars and is not seen again. Right? No, he does oh, come yeah, back he... for one important thing that he right. does. He does have one more thing. Yeah. But uh, no, Bond's fighting the big guy, Hans, who has never spoken a word. Right. And, you know, he's he's just there to be a big mountain man that Bond can't hurt. Yeah, Bond runs up and he punches him a bunch of times and he just, like, smiles at him. He's like, oh, shit, he's going to have yeah. to use some judo. Yeah, which he eventually does and drops him into the piranha pool. Necessarily. You, you got to flip him in there. And he gets a hold of the key. He's got to run up to... Or no, he can't get to the control room right away because the door is closed behind him. So it's like, we need to find a way to breach this place again. Fortunately, the quote-unquote impregnable control room There's is a back door. <laughs> uh, there is a back door for all the technicians to escape. Yeah, it's like, hey, where are those technicians coming from? I bet if we follow them, we could probably get into the tr- control room again. It's like, oh yeah, that's that's probably going to work. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and Bond gets in there. He activates the self-destruct, but like, not even he's he's going for the 007, but it gets down to like 005 or 002, I think. Yeah, because he can't get the thing open right away. So we're like we're literally two seconds away from this thing, yeah. Uh, basically, causing World War Three. Right. So it blows, and, and then the Americans immediately like, "Code word is not imminent." Repeat, not imminent. Yep. But Blofeld is like, "Okay, well, fuck this plan." He's like, screw you, fuck then. This base. I, it's it's found out. Uh, self destruct. Let's go. Yep. Uh, activates the self destruct. Which actually makes the whole volcano active and erupt. It fucking lights up. It's not a great effect. I admittedly, well, other than the effect of just an explosion rocking that entire set, which is unreal. That one where you just see the the set bounce. Mm -hmm. Just one shot of just the shockwave lifting the set. And you see like uh, one of the little wheeled vehicles, like they're, they're, uh, it's sort of like an airport cart for luggage. You got yeah. one of those on the launch pad and it just bounces off the ground with the force of the explosion. <laughs> like, holy shit, because this is a real set. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like the whole thing's coming down. 
but Bond and everyone managed to get out. Yep. They all they all escape. No, they're they're running uh, away through the tunnel, I believe. Yeah. Watching the explosions. Yep. They and now they're all in the water watching the volcano erupt, and the plane comes by and drops a bunch of life rafts. Bond and uh Kissy Suzuki get into one. And they gotta make out. And it ends. Yeah, and it ends the way about five or six other Bond movies end, but this may be the first one. Mm. With uh, that making out in the life raft. Let me think. Uh, first one might be the the first one might have this. Does Doctor No have this? Oh, Doctor No. Oh, I don't know. You know, I think Doctor No small. they're they're making out in the life raft at the beginning or at oh, the end. Okay. I think it's him and Ursula Andres. Oh yeah. Uh, and he always says, like, well, maybe they won't find us and we can just be making up here forever. <laughs> Which obviously not. He's just... Like... <laughs> no, the submarine comes up right from under him. Oh, yeah. And uh, they're they're looking... You know, uh, the money Penny is put off, right? <laughs> yeah, go get Money Penny... Or go get Bond. Yes, I'll bring him down here right Immediately. now. Immediately. <laughs> you only, only live twice. twice. I love this song so much. Uh, I, I it's could, a good one. It, it sticks in my head so much too, and I, I let just love the the melody of it. I, I, oh, Nancy yeah, Sinatra the, is so cool. The oh man, it's so it's, good. And it's yeah, how it gets incorporated into the main movie score. Mm, it's awesome. Um, this is a great Bond movie. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's top tier for sure. Definitely top tier for me. It's unquestionably my number one the the only thing that would come close is casino royale ah oh, that i gotta see that again I, I only saw great. it the one time it's a great movie i also really like quantum of solace but uh i'm sort of alone on that that's one that most people aren't a huge fan of i think I it's see it again yeah i feel it's underappreciated uh, i probably underappreciated it <laughs> I, I remember being like in uh, my circle of friends i went and saw like i think when that one came out was a time like this is before you were doing movie nights, but I think mm. before that movie came out, we did four movie nights, the entire bond series. And then we went and saw that for the opening night. Oh, so I was cool. really deep in bond stuff when quantum of solace came out and it resonated with me uh, for just knowing the whole series up to that point. <laughs> cool. Cool. Uh, yeah, when I saw it, I still hadn't seen a whole lot of the old ones yet. Yeah, it would be a tougher sell then, because it almost has too much of a born born identity energy to it, especially with the the style of the action, which I'm not a huge fan of. Hmm. But this one, oh, this one, mm, this one, <laughs> this one's great, man. This one has everything you want in a Bond movie. Like I was saying earlier, some other Bond movies might do individual elements of the stuff you want better. Yeah, like like Jaws or Odd Job are way better henchmen than Hans. But... Yeah, this one has no really interesting henchmen for sure. But I mean, it has the the Bond villain. It has the best Blofeld. It has Pleasance doing the perfect Blofeld, and it has the Lair. Yeah, oh, like that it, lair. <laughs> the Bond Lair. It has, and I mean, I love Tanaka. Tanaka isn't my favorite of these. I would probably go for the Karim Bay from. Uh, from rush with love for my favorite of these guys but i mean uh, tanaka is up there like he's still great <laughs> tanaka's fun uh it's just a lot of the problematic stuff in this movie 
He's <laughs> connected to Tanaka. That's true. I mean, she not is, all of it. She is sexy full. I mean, you got to give it to him. Is <laughs> she's very sexy full, Bonsan. But yeah, great movie. I really love it. I just did. I I totally recognize that there are problems. There there are yeah. there are issues with this movie, but <laughs> it's so much fun. It's so weird. Like it's got that Roald Dahl energy to it. It does have the zaniness of something uh, written by Roald Dahl, like especially his weird adult shit. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I do hope that whoever the next Bond is, I don't know if that's been decided yet. Uh, I do hope it kind of goes back to like this, this kind of style a little bit. I do kind of think we're ready for it. So, you know, actually, before we move on to part three and you know, part three, we'll kind of be talking about this as well. Uh, but uh, one of the weird things with the Bond series is each of them are a different English territory. Each Bond. Oh, I didn't know that. So I bet you can probably even guess them just from the names. Uh like, like you know Connery, actor, right? You yeah, like right. can you can you you know well, Connery's background? Of course. All, Connery, of course, is Scottish. That's why we have all the train spotting stuff, right? Oh, so that's what that that's what you mean by territory, like English, right? Yeah, I yeah. You meant like their provinces, which I don't oh know no 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 yeah, each one is from a different place. Yeah, um, I, I I I don't know, but I'm interested. So Lazenby is Australian. Okay. Uh, you can probably guess more, Roger Moore. Um, no. The most English man ever. He's, oh, he is London. English. Yeah, he's yeah. extremely English. Uh, Dalton, that's, you know, that's an obviously Irish name. He is Irish. Uh, Daniel Craig. Was... Daniel Craig is Welsh. Oh, Craig Welsh. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's Brosnan. Brosnan. Oh, maybe I have it backwards. I think, which one is, uh, maybe Dalton is, uh... I did look this up the other day. Um, what am I forgetting? There's, <laughs> uh, I don't remember. Timothy Dalton is has like an Irish background. I think, maybe not. Maybe he's also British. Oh. Maybe the only one that that's the only one that they've repeated. I guess no. Timothy Dalton is also Welsh. Oh. So maybe they've done. I guess there's been two Welsh James Bonds. That's unusual interesting okay anyway i i I was thinking about this while i was watching uh honor majesty's secret service because it's the first trade over of a bond and it's like oh yeah we we have our only australian bond the only one like really outside of the island of uh, the uk Mm -hmm. so the next james bond i feel it should be someone indian someone with an indian background who would be better than dev patel Oh, see, so there had been talk like for the last probably 10 years or so that Idris Elba should do it. He's sort of too old now. I was on the train, but now I disagree. Yeah, I like, I love Elba and he would be fucking rad, but I don't think he's like, he's just too old to be James Bond at this point to start as James Bond. Yeah, yeah. Plus, going back to like the whole thing, he's one of the actors who's like, has the contract that you can't take that many hits. Bond's got to take some hits. Oh, Bond has to take hits. Dev Patel seems like the perfect pick to me. I Dev feel like Patel. Dev Patel would be amazing. I, yeah. That's and my then, pitch. Like, that's that's my pitch for next Bond anyways. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm into it. Um, I can't think of anyone better. 
Uh, I'm not. Nobody yeah. does it better. That's a Bond song, a Bond theme song. Oh, that's the Spy Who Loved Me theme. Oh, okay. <laughs> Carly Simon's "Nobody Does It Better." Oh, I think it's from that one. Pretty sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, that is "You Only Live Twice." Uh, do you have any last thoughts on uh, that one before we head to our third and final section? Yeah, Yolo, James Bond. It's Yolt. 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 And we're back for part three, the watched stacks. Uh, we've got 13 picks this week of uh, uh, the uh, previous uh, stuff I watched on boutique Blu-ray in the past week, physical media. <laughs> All right. Uh, lucky 13. 13. And we do start out with a uh, horror picture and a cult film, uh, one that I'm pretty sure you've seen a time or two. Uh, it is, in fact, the very first actual werewolf movie I'd ever seen. Nice. It's, uh, of course, an American werewolf in London. Uh, Great fucking spoiled, movie. Real, real good movie. Kind of <laughs> spoiled me for other werewolf movies because nobody does the transformation like this. True. I've seen few transformation scenes uh, anywhere in the same league as this. This one is still outstanding. Like it's Wolf it's, Cop actually yeah the first wolf it's cop was of. really good yeah that, that yeah. one has a pretty solid one wolf cop 2 not so much uh, yeah I, I didn't care for that one no that that one it's it's one of those uh, it's it's beside yeah. the point but it's, it's one <laughs> it of those where it's just like uh, uh too many it, it, it's a cult film that became too up its own ass as a cult film it's like oh let's get kevin smith in and we're going to just be really, really, really up our own ass. That's too much. <laughs> kind of like Samurai Cop 2, although on a rewatch, I liked Samurai Cop 2 more than I remembered. Oh, okay. Anyway, American Werewolf in London. I mean, it's it's a total classic. It's such a good oh, time. Yeah. It's great. It's so fucking good. The music, really good use of pop songs in it. Obvious, but fun. Yeah, I actually enjoyed spending time with the characters before the mm. monster shit happened. Even I really they were like jerks. them. Yeah, they're they're fun jerks though. They're Both of them yes. are really good characters. I really like Griffin Dunn, uh, especially when he's dead, when he, <laughs> when he's like back as a uh, you know his, his rotting form. Like, you ever tried talking to a corpse? It's boring. <laughs> <laughs> he's just so bored of the afterlife. <laughs> You have to kill yourself, David. Uh, it's it's just so good. Uh, I I I love uh, just that last twenty minutes where it's utter fucking chaos in Piccadilly Circus. Oh yeah. So I heard. I don't know if this is true, but I heard they like didn't know how to end the movie, so they just kind of stopped. Well, I mean, it's it's a pretty conclusive ending. It's just a very harsh and sudden ending. It's not unlike oh. a kung fu one. Oh, it, yeah, he's like, uh, spoiler alert, but yeah, he's like about to get gunned down by cops, isn't he? He is gunned down by cops. That's how it ends. Right. Okay. He, he's in, he is a wolf and they shoot him and then uh, we, we see him, uh, he, he stops being like, he, his dead body is David again. And, you know, the, the nurse that he's been uh, living with for, for no real reason uh cries and then it immediately smash cuts to the credits and bomb ba da ba da ba da ba dang a dang dang a doop 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 a
Reps. Great movie. Uh, I love it. I only saw it the one time, actually. Really? I'm actually really mm-hmm. surprised by that. I've seen this one mm, uh, many times. <laughs> You'd think it'd be one I'd go back to a lot, but I just yeah. never had occasion to. Uh, and th- this was Landis's follow-up to Blues Brothers. And it's got some of that same energy, despite it being a different genre of picture. Oh, and this was before the uh, Twilight Zone debacle, right? Yes, this was, uh, I think, three or four years prior to that. Okay. Still on the cocaine. <laughs> this mm-hmm. was a constant, kind of a train heading that way. Ah. Uh. <laughs> uh, next up, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, the next James Bond picture. The uh, the only James Bond actor I've never seen, which you would know already if you listened to part two, I said yeah. that. Uh, George Lazenby, the Australian James Bond. I don't... Oh shit, he's dressed like Austin Powers, kind he, of. Like, you know, the roughly shirt and stuff? He has that, too. Hmm. Okay. Like, the silly uh, uh, Austin Powers outfit. that He wears that in this movie. He has very goofy outfits. This one's a oh my... weird one. So the tagline is far up, far out, far more. James Bond is back. Uh, is he groovy? Uh, it's it, it does kind of have some silliness to it. There's He's introduced in the thing where like there's this lady on a beach and there's these guys chasing her and he parks his car and he runs down to uh, help the lady or something. And these guys come out and they beat him up and the, the lady runs off and she steals his car and drives off and he's left alone on the beach and it like zooms into his face and he goes this never happened to the other fella right into the fucking camera (laughs) okay and i was like what and i I, like every time i've watched the movie it's always been like i cannot believe they fucking did that like why especially because it's a movie that is really heavily dealing with all of the other movies. It's the one that's like, okay, James Bond is a womanizer, but let's examine that. And let's, oh, the, the plot of this is bizarre. And especially in the original novel, <laughs> this, this one builds a whole supervillain plot that I, I feel like maybe it was there. It's a chemical weapons thing. Sure. <laughs> uh, Blofeld has a, you know, the end of Inception the the uh, the mountain the snow mountain fortress base okay yeah yeah basically that this is it's it's the alps blofeld base okay oh i've, I've seen this base in other things oh totally it's absolutely yeah. been used uh the piz gloria is is where it's filmed and okay. uh he's got this plot where he's got all these women these supermodels who he's going to send out as sleeper agents to infect crops unknowingly uh what yeah he's got this whole crazy it's like this bioweapon thing he's going to make various crops and species extinct uh you know he's he's doing it's it's a satan bug sort of plot so you don't need supermodels for that no you don't but you i mean it's fun (laughs) that way and it also it ties into the bond thing with the wedding thing and the it's sort of a bachelor party mission Uh, in a weird sort of way accidentally it's not supposed to be but you know uh this is a movie where bond is rogue sort of he's not on her majesty's secret service exactly he's kind of off goofing off weird yeah he's off goofing off and there's like this uh mafia guy i think who gets a hold of him 
and he's like, I want you to marry my daughter. I think you seem like the cool, cool international super spy dude. And, you know, you seem like the one who can tame her wild heart. Uh, <laughs> and you know he has this romance with her and then he he's kind of only doing it because this guy he he's not doing it for money he wants to get information about blofeld because he wants to get revenge for what happened in the previous films so he wants revenge on blofeld yeah he wants to get back at blofeld he's he's still going hard for both blofeld and uh like there's this whole weird thing with m where m always seems to be standoffish to him and seems to be angry at bond for reasons that we don't understand and he won't talk to him <laughs> uh, money I, penny tell james that his next mission is this it's kind of <sighs> like that they have to like pass messages through money penny and she's like <laughs> doctoring notes and she's like he he hands in his resignation and then she <laughs> she gives it to m and uh, but she hands in a different letter asking for two weeks off. But when Bond goes in, he thinks it's his resignation letter. And uh, M just coldly is like, granted, and, and, and like throws it back at him. And he, he like walks out and is like, well, I guess that's it. He's like, I, I switched the message to it being you getting two weeks off. I'm like, oh, money penny. <laughs> uh, it's weird. The the energy between Lazenby and money penny is also bizarre. It does not fit. It's so strange after seeing Connery and her together and him kind of being Connery, but not being Connery enough. Mm, okay. It's, it's so weird. And like the, the plot essentially with the book and the concept of it is it's Bond's bachelor party, right? He goes to Bond or Bond. He goes to Blofeld's secret fucking Alps lair. He is dressed to the nines. He's pretending to be a gay genealogist. <laughs> sure. Because, because Blofeld wants to claim uh, a baronhood as part of the Camp de, 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 de Blochamps, and he's talking to genealogists so he can get his baron title. <laughs> There's Why a lot not? in this, okay? <laughs> There's a whole lot. Uh, I and... will be Baron Blofeld <laughs> now. Oh, yeah. Oh, so it's Kojak, Telly Savalas. Okay. You know, Telly Savalas, you ever seen Kojak, the TV uh, series? No. I don't know. He's a very different energy. It's another bald guy. He was known for, like, sucking on suckers all the time in oh. his cop show. Uh, but it's because <laughs> he was just a really heavy smoker and he needed something to distract him. And this one, he's allowed to smoke and he is luxuriating and having cigarettes in his hands most of the time. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, so Bond infiltrates and there's all these supermodels and he has to get in the information. And I think in the actual book, he beds all eight of them. I'm just picturing like the the climax scene of the masturbating gunman where he yeah. just he just keeps I mean, blocked by supermodels. <laughs> it's it kind of has that sort of energy almost. I think that's what happened. It's been like like I said, millions of years since I read these books, but it's something along those lines. In in this, he does sleep with several of them on the mission uh, <laughs> to find information and get things going on, and then uh, ultimately he has to escape from the place. And uh, Diana Rigg, you know the the lady that the mobs, the daughter of the mobster, shows up and uh, she rescues him, and they have this whole exciting adventure together, getting away. And he finally falls in love, and they get married. Aww. And then, of course, I mean, spoilers, but she's gunned down and that's the end of the movie. Oh, so there, it, it's the only one. It's the only unhappy ending in a Bond movie. 
which is pretty intense. And it would land so much better if you had Connery and all of the baggage that came with him from the previous movies. It, it being yeah. Lazenby really sticks the landing. It's, it's a huge problem. I get, well, this never happened to the other guy. <laughs> yeah. It, it would be so great if they did the sad version of it and him still <laughs> looking in the camera. It's really not fair, you know? Uh, it's, I mean, I, I think it's a good movie, but there are things in it that clash so much and some of it's so silly and some of it's so, like his shirts and when he's pretending to be the gay genealogist and he's like, I, I'm not all that into women, you know, it's fucking weird. Like, I don't even know what to make of it at times. Some people call it the best Bond movie. I don't buy that personally, but I don't know. I like it, but it has problems. <laughs> All right. Well, I was actually kind of thinking I might watch this one anyway. No matter. Oh, like... you totally should. It's fascinating <laughs> as an artifact. Yeah. All right. Uh, next up is Doctor Cocklove. <laughs> oh, uh, Mister Steckler is back. The final, the third and final of the three Nazi pornos he directed. <laughs> Dr. Cocklove, he's sort of a Dr. Strangelove thing, you know, Nazi scientist, uh, except porn, you know, it's, they're, they're doing porn. Uh, it like, it opens in media sex. He's getting a blowy, uh, <laughs> while he's sex. working on his, <laughs> he's, he's working on this. He's got this very funny machine that's extremely colorful and has all these uh, flashing dials and knobs that looks like it was probably made for a children's show. <laughs> I think it might've been in the the lemon grove kids movie or something <laughs> the previous stackler uh this one i mean there's not a lot to it he's doing he's doing his erotic experience in <laughs> vibrations uh so he, he just he, he I mean, the, the big problem with this one, like, it does have the scenes where he's using his vibrations machine, which, I mean, come on, you know. It's, <laughs> what is the vibrations machine? I mean, it's it's a Nazi Sibian, basically. But uh, there's also uh, all these scenes where he has his main guy who's, I don't know, it's a Hans or a Fritz or something. Uh -huh. And, you know, they, they just have endless sex scenes. And uh, for whatever reason, they they chose like German beer hall music to play over the sex scenes, <laughs> which, oh man. <laughs> you know, it ain't sexy is all I'm saying. Get out the leer, Hosen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, it's like, oh man. Uh, it's, it's a very strange flavor again. Like they, they've all been bizarre. <laughs> i'll be okay i swear no i i understand <laughs> the, these have been a real adventure going through the the steckler nazi pornos they, they've been stranger than i expected and i did expect them to be strange <laughs> or how i learned to stop worrying and love the dildo yeah so but something along does he do it does he make well, that joke is this right no there? see because there, he has always claimed that Stanley Kubrick personally attempted to sue him for the title of Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to uh, Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb because his original Incredibly Strange Creatures title was more formulated like that. Oh. So he says the studio came and like on 
on Kubrick's behalf threatened him. And I think he said that Kubrick personally called him or something. And he's made various claims about it over the, over time that uh, he was like threatened and he had to change the title of his movie to suit Stanley Kubrick. So I think that's why he chose Dr. Cock love here. <laughs> okay. Well, that, that explains why he wouldn't go for the joke, but that's an interesting story. I wonder how true it is. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, There might be a germ of truth in it. <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm sure some communication may have happened. Maybe. maybe. I mean, that was his most expensive film. Oh. Incredibly Strange Creatures. You remember the one. Oh, yeah. No, I saw that. It's uh, <laughs> It looks like some money went into it. Yeah, it's the only one. Not a lot of money, but some. There was money. It had a budget. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, next up, we've got Steel Justice. This is one of those dumb 80s uh, post-Vietnam. Oh, his name is John Steel. John Steel. <laughs> and he's bringing his justice. Uh, <laughs> not as good as John Matrix. Not as good. Nowhere near as good. That's like my favorite stupid Schwarzenegger name ever. <laughs> Commando. Yeah, that's a good one. So Steel Justice, uh, he he's in Vietnam at the beginning. He's got his pet snake, who's called Three Step, because, you know, bites you and you take three steps and you die. <laughs> so he's like already established as kind of the edgelord in his unit. He's the, he's the guy with the pet snake around his neck that's extremely venomous. <laughs> but, I'm know. imagining him with Arlie Ermey and Wingshauser. Yeah, I mean, they're guys along the same lines. I can't remember exactly who plays them. There's there's sort of no name actors in this one uh, other than Ronnie Cox, who we've uh, seen. I think he's he's the leader of his unit. Okay. Uh, we, we, we've seen him previously. We discussed him in Captain America, where he was the president. Oh, okay. Okay. The president who wanted to kiss Captain America. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Steel Justice, I think he was, I'm pretty sure he's the the leader of his unit in this, or maybe he's his friend in civilization when they get back. But initially he's in Vietnam and he gets double crossed and there's like, he's got his buddy who is Vietnamese, who he wants to get out. And then there's this guy who double crosses them and tries to kill all of them. Right. Who's also Vietnamese, and he's trying to get out, and he's like stolen a horde of CIA gold, obviously. You know, of these course. things. Yeah, you know, he's got yeah sure. And so, uh, you know, John Steele, he brings his justice. He shoots that guy, leaves him for dead, and gets his guy out. Okay. So we cut to like, I guess it's 12 years later. It's, you know, it's the late 80s now, and uh, the the friend is established. He has a family, and uh, he's, I think he's a cop. John Steele is no longer a cop at this okay. point. He's he has tried and failed to be a cop because his sense of justice is a little too strict. So, <laughs> so he's he's too much of a loose cannon. He's too much of a loose cannon to do any job. He's just oh. he's got his own sense of justice. Like it, it, at the start, he's working as a trucker transporting horses, wild horses. Okay, okay, that's probably more complicated than regular trucking. Yeah, and he he's taken them to this guy under the understanding that they're going to be, I don't know, it's they're for a ranch or something. Uh, but the guy is uh, clearly going to sell them to a slaughterhouse to make into horse meat or into dog food, which 
is, I think, illegal in some way uh, with the the way this is set up. He sure. claims it's illegal anyways. Uh, he ends up pulling out a shotgun and shooting in the air, uh, letting the horses loose in uh, downtown fucking uh, some Southern California town or something. <laughs> and uh, they, they all run. I was like, well, solution to the problem. <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, now you're going to get bad press and you're not going to be able to slaughter them. So eat shit. We, we established <laughs> that he has his own sense of justice. <laughs> he also likes to go out drinking with his snake around his neck oh, and threaten no. people Ooh. and get into brawls. Oh, that's that's not very heroic, John Steele. Yeah, but he's a rogue, right? Oh, he doesn't play by anybody else's rules. He he follows his own path. Exactly. So ultimately, the the buddy, you know, the the Vietnamese buddy. He and his entire family are massacred by the son of the guy from Vietnam, who's now uh, like he's an evil businessman. Okay, who's a head of like a big triad gang. So he sends in his son, and he murders the whole family except for the daughter, who Steele rescues. Right. So he he's got my family. Yeah, they they he takes out the the entire family and his best friend. Uh, so. He's, you know, out to get his steel justice. He's yeah. going to go up against this guy. Oh, take yeah. him down. One thing you do is you just you don't go after the family of a Vietnam vet if you're in if you're an 80s drug lord. Although this isn't his family. This is his buddy and the buddy's family. Oh, so oh OK. His buddy, the buddy's wife and his parents. Right. Uh, but, but they he developed saves- a strong bond. Bond. yeah he's he's like the only family he has like he's got a wife but they're estranged mm-hmm. for obvious reasons because he's a crazy <laughs> loose cannon because <laughs> a fucking psycho snake yeah although they all love the snake yeah oh, okay. i don't know Every, everybody's pretty cool with the snake except oh. the bad guys mm, well yeah yeah the bad guys you're not cool with the animal if you're the bad guy of course not uh next up we've got poison for the fairies oh so this is sort of based on the same concept as deliver, uh, Don't Deliver Us From Evil. I think it's based on the same story, essentially. Okay. Uh, you got these. There's this girl. She's, you know, reasonably well off. And there's this other girl who's really weird. And she's not so well off. And she thinks she's a witch. She's decided she's a witch. Right. And she's being raised by her grandmother and being told all sorts of witch tales. Her parents died when she was really young. She's grown up really weird. She lives in a big creaky mansion. And she's just decided, yeah, I'm a witch. And uh, I, there's an owl, a stuffed owl that talks to me and tells me things. He's he's giving me messages from Satan. I'm a witch, you know? <laughs> so. All right. The other girl, her parents are like, they're not even religious. They don't believe in any of this shit. They uh, are very strictly realistic with her. And you're like, you know, there's no such thing as witches. That's stupid. Uh, and she ends up kind of slowly becoming friends with her, although she realizes that there's something off about this girl and that she's not great. And it turns into an obviously a one-sided abusive relationship where the 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 witchy girl is just holding things over her head and trying to, like, make her be her friend and get things out of her. Right, right. Like, she's pretending to be able to cast spells. She claims to, like, initially they're doing, uh, like, they're, they're sort of doing a little uh, spell 
to make her piano teacher go away because she doesn't want to do piano lessons anymore. Sure. <laughs> and then the piano teacher up and dies. So this is a big get for a witch girl. And she's mm-hmm. like using this to threaten her. And she's uh, she goes on vacation with her family to their summer house in this creepy place. And she's like, okay, I'm going to do this massive spell. We're going to spend all summer getting together this huge witch's cauldron, set up this huge poison spell. But she's also just lording everything over and she like extorts her to give her her pet dog. Oh, no. And Yeah. And she just like it's it's, you know, heading towards a bad confrontation. Uh, and you you, you kind of see things stacking up. Very, di- very grim, very dark. Uh, strong, like a really good movie, like very well shot. Uh, easily my favorite of the uh, Carlos Tapuada Mexican Gothic box. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's it's heavy. It's it's a it's a strong one. All right. Next up, Vacances de, del Terror, uh, Vacations of Terror. Uh, there's two of these. I watched both of them. So first one is uh, it's an evil doll movie. Okay. All right. Uh, the it's really slow moving, like really, really slow moving for being only like eighty minutes. It feels like they really struggled to make it eighty minutes. Things were really picking up at the rodeo. Like it's not that. It's just everything takes so long. Everyone's reaction time is absurd. Like uh... there will be so many sequences where someone screams in terror and something is happening to them, and you see them scream, and then you cut over to people hearing it. And you're like, what's that? And then you hear the scream from their perspective again. You're like, <laughs> it sounds like there's something going on over there. And then they slowly turn and then they go over there. What's going on over here? And it's like, oh my God, I'm going to fucking die. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, so the, the little girl falls down a well. Uh, the, it's It's sort of a conjuring thing. You know okay. the 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 witch tree and the conjuring out back. I you remember vaguely the remember <laughs> yeah. sort of. Yeah, they, they killed a witch. Wait, in I didn't this see tree. the conjuring. I saw oh, the. I saw the one where like, I saw the, I think the sequel to it with the the doll menacing like a different creepy girl or something. Oh, okay. So uh, that that's like a third one or something. Sort of spinoff series. It's like called Annabelle. I think. Yeah, Annabelle or Origins or whatever. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's I never saw good. the Conjuring. Oh well. Anyway, witch tree. You know, they killed yeah. a witch in this tree, right? And it's right. Got of course. A, got, a, got an evil, evil witch presence in it now. Yeah. And they also threw all her shit down a well and then boarded up the well. So all her all her witch stuff is down there, and it's all cursed. Uh, and the, this family, they they buy the house for whatever reason. You know, they buy it as a summer home, as you do with uh, haunted houses. And the dad is really fucking weird in this. Like he's introduced eating uh, tacos de oyo. You know what oyo is? No eyes. Oh, he's he he's got like I think it's a cow skull, and he's just like digging eye the eyeballs out and and eating tacos eyeball tacos and he's got like his little like eight-year-old kids two eight-year-old boys they're twins and they're like dad this is gross are we gonna eat actual dinner it's like what you don't want the tacos the oil so what he's got like a cow skull in front of him and the taco shell he's just plucking the yes the eyeball out of the cow yeah directly into the taco shell 
yeah like he's got his hand he's got the taco he's or you know the not a shell so much you know it's a a, a flatbread you know the oh, it's okay. a soft yeah, taco yeah. shell right yeah you know you got a little uh jalapeno on there you got some green sauce and sure. yeah he's just got like a scoop and he's just digging a digging crud out of the the eye hole and just like mound down bizarre weird opening and it's like what is this guy's deal? And then he's just a boring, normal guy. The whole movie, there's nothing to do it. I was like, I don't even know what that was about. Uh, you know, it's uh, Ed Gein. It's it crazy. So th- they go to this house. They go on their vacation of terror, and uh, the little girl, his his youngest, uh, she falls down the well. <laughs> oh, of course, somebody has to. And she screams for help, and they all turn. It's like, what's that? And someone's like, just like, ah, I fell down the well. And the, the, the boys scream, she fell down the well. And they run over and it's like, she fell down the well. And they're like, <laughs> and every, what's going the, on? Everybody calm down. What's happening? And they, they very the slowly. Oh, it's the, they, they, they all go over there and, you know, she's had a lot of time to ruminate around down in the bottom <laughs> of the well and look at all the shit that's down there. And she yeah. chooses a doll, chooses a cursed doll. Uh, of course. And you know, the doll causes all sorts of terror it controls the entire house it's sort of an evil dead kind of haunting where they can just do whatever okay okay cool uh no body count it's extremely oh. slow uh <laughs> uh the the main thing is that the the older daughter yeah i guess it's the oldest daughter she's like 20 something and her boyfriend julio comes along and he sort of becomes the protagonist because he fancies himself a paranormal investigator oh sure (laughs) so vacations of terror too we're just following julio the rest of the family we don't need them we're not doing that shit they're those people are baggage we can't have all these child actors it was not working out don't worry i'm julio i've seen (laughs) ghostbusters once and I'll tell you, the second one is way better than the first. Okay. <laughs> it's a lot more fun. Uh, he's working in an antiques shop. Someone rolls up and they got the cursed doll. And he's like, oh, shit, I know that doll. That's not good. <laughs> so he follows the kid. Uh, the kid is, this time it's the daughter of a guy who works at a movie studio. So most of it's set on a backlot, like a studio backlot Western set that has been dressed for a Halloween birthday party. Okay. <laughs> Which is pretty, it's, it's uh, vacations of terror too. diabolical birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, he chases it down. Uh, it doesn't stay a doll. It turns into like it, it transforms into a goblin monster, uh, you know, doing all sorts of crazy magic. It becomes really splattery, much more of a body count. Uh, all right. It's a lot more fun. Cool, cool. Next up, Homebodies. So this right. is a 1974 movie. It's this. Uh, it's it's. I think it's Chicago, uh, urban renewal Chicago, and it's it's sort of slum clearance stuff where uh, 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 this slumlord owns a bunch of uh, buildings that he's tearing down to put in much more expensive high rises. And just all the elderly people who have been living in the buildings for 40 or 50 years, just kind of throwing them out on the pavement. As you do when you're yeah. a slumlord. Is it is a thing. It was a real epidemic at the time. Mm-hmm. So uh this one uh brownstone, there there's these this group of weird people who live there, and they're it's like, no, we're not moving. We're pretty entrenched here. Uh our lives are really solidly here. 
we're just gonna not go. Maybe we'll start killing some people. We'll, we'll kill some key people and see if maybe it can stop the development. And so ex- accidents start happening at the construction sites. All right. They start actually, they, they start outwardly killing people and it starts to sort of spiral out of control and they uh, kind of uh, start to, you know, their movement starts to eat itself. <laughs> okay. It's very dark. Uh, like it's, it's a black comedy, but it's much heavier on just bleakness. It's very, very grim because, you know, they're uh, all these old people being tossed out on the street is pretty rough. And, you know, yeah. they they try to put them in a home and the home is depressing. And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it's 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 a lot of grim stuff. Pretty good, like okay. solid. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's not as fun of a ride as I had expected, given that it's usually described as a comedy. Yeah, I mean, the, the poster makes it look like it's going to be a fun movie. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's amusing, but like it's so dark that it it doesn't have that much of a funny flavor to it. Okay. So next up is Silver Bullets. You saw VHS, right? I saw one of the VHSs. Okay, so you're not sure I if you saw the first one. one. Uh, the the one. Uh, so Joe Swanberg is the director of Silver Bullets. Uh, he was also the director of one of the sequ- my probably my favorite sequence in uh, the first VHS, where it's just a found footage thing of like an AOL instant messenger chat video thing. Oh, I think I've seen this one. And it's like, super fucking eerie. Yeah, she's like talking to her boyfriend about like seeing aliens. And the boyfriend seems really understanding, but he's sort of not quite emotionally there and it slowly reveals that he's sort of with the aliens and he's been sort of involved with it the whole time yeah that's and, that's and also that he's about. not halfway across the country he's like at the next room over yeah he's just like he's monitoring her it's actually a whole medical experiment yeah mm-hmm. nuts that one's insane yeah i've always really loved that one so i've been meaning to check out some of joe swanberg's own movies okay so Joe Swanberg himself, he was the boyfriend in that one too. Like he's the creepy okay. boyfriend. And that seems to be the character he plays in this as well. <laughs> All right. So Silver Bullets, it's he's the director of he's just like a really artsy indie director who does movies with like lots of sex and nudity in them, but they're like art house stuff, right? Sure. Very pretentious. Yeah. yeah. He has a, he has a lot of like discussions about his art. And the the conflict in the movie is his girlfriend, who normally is acting in his movies, takes a role in like a genre film. She's going to be in a werewolf movie. All right. And it's like selling out his art. And he's just like he's he, he can't deal with it. He he is so uh, unable to deal with his girlfriend being in a genre picture and not working on his sex movie with him. And he just becomes so insufferable that he drives their relationship apart to the point that she does end up sleeping with the director of the other movie. The other director being Ty West, like not playing Ty West, but he's uh, the the director Ty West plays the other director. Okay. Uh, Ty West, director of House of the Devil, uh, the Blair Witch, the ride that we saw. (laughs) Right. Okay. Okay. I think that was him. So, right. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So him he just obviously does seem like just generally a better guy and obviously superior choice. So I totally get why she would sleep with him, but there's the the most striking sequence to me was the part where uh, she's wearing her wolf pants 
and the wolf head and otherwise she's topless and she's just uh dancing naked to a record uh around him i mean like wolf pants and wolf head but you know topless and just trying to dance around and get uh her boyfriend's attention while he's reading a book and just aggressively not paying attention to her (laughs) for like a long period of time like full three minutes uh (laughs) weird i don't know i mean it's it's a mumblecore movie so it's just a lot of people having really mumbling conversations talking like that it's mostly improvised you know and uh, i don't know it's weird first in a trilogy apparently okay (laughs) not to be confused with the gary Busey silver bullet movie that we covered different kind of film although both involving werewolves sort of <laughs> next up the merry world of leopold z this is a quebecois film montreal okay uh leopold z he is a uh, montreal snowplow driver it's the day before christmas and he just has a really great life he has so many people who uh, love him and uh he's just got this incredibly busy day because so many people want to see him and so many people need him to do favors for them he's got a uh, you know go pick up uh someone at the airport and he's gotta go to uh there, there's uh his i think it's like his work buddy who doesn't get women at all so he has to show him how to shop for his wife and okay <laughs> nothing uh, and, you know, it's it's a really snowstormy day on the day before Christmas, so he's really got to plow those streets as well, and he wants to get it all done so he can get in, get to Midnight Mass and see his kid do the solo, and, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty chill. It's, it's a light movie. It's a Christmas movie. Uh, it's just him going through his madcap day, uh, cleaning the streets, and drinking in the 60 late 60s montreal atmosphere all right it's nice sounds like sounds like it could be a good time next up scream three speaking of not a good time no wait we were speaking <laughs> of a good time no screen three is not a good time yeah uh, i saw i think i saw all the screen move or all the first three screen movies in theater i think wow. i didn't but see I... the first one in theater i caught that on vhs but i did see the other two hmm I think yeah. there's a reason why both of us didn't see anything after this one. I didn't know there was anything after this, to be honest with you, until like six months ago. There's one in theaters right now, I think. Or maybe it's out. It might be out on Blu-ray now. but anyway. It's very recent anyway. Yeah, there was one recently. Yeah. Uh, this one sucks. It stinks. <laughs> Man, it's so bad. Isn't the, is this the one where the villain is Aunt Jackie from uh, Roseanne? You see, I was thinking that too, rewatching, even though I, so I watched all three of them like four months ago or something. You, you may yeah. remember why I talked about them. A little bit. <laughs> and at the time I talked about Screen 3, I'd remembered nothing about it. I could not remember it at all. Mm-hmm. Well, same. <laughs> I, I saw it four months ago. I remember I was going in like, is this one with Aunt Jackie? And, so, and <laughs> by the time you know, we were like halfway through the movie and she hadn't even showed up. And it's like, think aunt jackie's showing up which one is this who's the guy killer in the second she's the killer in the second one yeah yeah this one it's it's one of those bullshit oh it's it's a trilogy so all bets are off yeah uh it's three people it it could even be supernatural it's not though no of course it isn't 
it's it's a fucking fake quentin tarantino roman uh the the big problem with it is they they wrote it to avoid spoilers they wrote like five or ten different scripts and they uh didn't let anyone know whether their character was actually the killer and none of the scenes make sense none of the performances jive together it's just like a bunch of scenes nothing it's like you could just it could be a bunch of modular pieces and at the end you just put in a different brick and it's a different killer at the end and it would <laughs> make no difference because like i'm guessing the whole movie's like i can't remember who the killer was uh is it this guy is it how how does it fit together and it's it's also a stupid fucking long lost brother thing which come on you're doing that already in number three Please. well i mean i i don't know if three was planned to be the last one it was certainly marketed to be the last one. It sort of was, because it was quite a while before there was a fourth one. Although I don't know if that's because Scream 3 didn't do great. I mean, it sucks. Also, Courtney Cox has the worst fucking haircut in this movie. It's so distracting. I cannot. <laughs> oh, yeah. She looks like a goblin. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. <laughs> Courtney Cox is in these. Yeah, and fuck. Well, like her and Dewey. Uh, what's his name? Um, oh, fuck. David Arquette. David Arquette. It's like they thought they were America's sweethearts and this relationship <laughs> was the most important thing. And it's really front loaded. It's like the relationship between Gail and Dewey is suddenly the most important part of the Scream franchise. It's like, come on. Who nobody, could care? Even then, nobody cared about those two. No, I mean, re I remember in the theater being insulted when they didn't kill Dewey because there's the part where the uh, Ghostface throws the knife at him and it hits him with the hilt instead of the mm. blade. And I was like, it should have just hit him with the blade and then we wouldn't have to do anymore. It's not like he does anything to this point in the movie. <laughs> Next up, we got Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Uh, this one I have not seen. So this is the first sequel. I had misremembered it as having Charlton Heston as the main character. He's only in a little bit of it. Because oh, okay. like right after the previous, or I guess it's not right after the previous one. He's been with Nova for a while and then he falls through a hologram and she can't find him again. <laughs> but fortunately, there's, cool. <laughs> there's this dude, Taylor. No, Taylor is, I think Taylor is Heston. Uh, I mean, he's just a carbon copy Heston. He looks like the TV version of Heston. It's James Franciscus. They've clearly made him look Heston-y. I don't know why they chose to do it. Maybe to make him more appealing to Nova. But he kind of just goes through all of the same shit. He, he he shows up. He's like, what the hell's this planet? Oh, it's a planet of apes. And, you know, he has to deal with Dr. Zaius and he meets Zira and he meets a fake version of Cornelius because they couldn't get Roddy McDowell to come back. Right. Uh <laughs> And I mean, uh, finally, ultimately, he finds like they, they go to Manhattan and he finds like a ruined subway station and underground. There's this uh, bunch of mutant psychic people, like psychic humans okay. who are still hanging around. They worship an atomic bomb. Sure. Uh, that they they figure is going to lead them to salvation at some point. They have all these psychic powers. Uh, they They can control people to do stuff. Uh, and th that's where Heston's been. He's been in a jail cell held by them all this time. Oh, so they, okay. They catch up with him. Uh, and, you know, it turns into a, a whole showdown. You know, the, the forces of uh, the new general. There, there's like an evil general who has uh, sort of taken over control. Okay. I can't remember Keep his. Ursus. Hmm. 
Ursus. Keep your dirty paws off of me, you damn dirty psychic humans. Yeah, so they, you know, his forces come into the underground and uh, spoilers, they blow up the planet and this destroy it. Like they they set off the nuclear bomb and uh, the world blows up. The maniacs blew it up. In the second film. So what are the third Planet of the Apes movies about? Shouldn't it just be like... <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. All right. Uh, last pick is Brawl Busters with Black Jack Chan. <laughs> this is a Korean kung fu movie. Those turkeys fight dirty. Blackjack gets mean. He kicks not their legs just in between. between. That's not true. That's not even, that's not a thing. There's not a lot of, okay. I, I didn't notice more than usual groin, crick, groin kicks in this. A lot of kicks though. I mean, people are getting kicked all over the place. Hmm. Uh, what happened in this movie? There, <laughs> huh. I mean, there, hmm. There were a lot of people, a lot of people getting kicked, flying through the air, lots of kind of wusha gliding through the air. Um, yeah. And there, I, I sent you that clip where that guy's like, kill the bitch, find, find that woman and kill the bitch. And someone yeah. says, her kung fu is excellent. And he goes, I saw it with my own eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, dubbed in like just the worst English. Oh, bad, bad dub. I mean, there is no point at this movie where I had any idea what anyone was fighting over uh, or what the <laughs> plot was. It's just like constant brawls, all of these people fighting, just people getting kicked in the face over and over and over again. <laughs> and then just at the end, someone won. I was like, okay, I... <laughs> fighting i guess i mean i saw a lot of people get kicked in the face there was some weird bits there's a guy with like uh saw blades that was kind of fun he was like a mega man villain he was like a uh, metal man okay sort of i'm into that <laughs> but as to what the what it was about or what happened i don't know okay couldn't tell you so those right. are our 13 picks for next week what do you figure all right so well first I don't want to. I don't want to stack the deck by asking you what your favorite was. So rather than that, I'm going to eliminate one by saying, "What's your least favorite out of all of these?" Oh, it's Scream Three. <laughs> oh well, okay, yeah, yeah. I guess if I were listening, I'd <laughs> short-term memory, I don't have that. <laughs> Scream Three is the worst. Uh, yeah. Like Doctor Cocklove is. Uh, neck and neck but i would say mm. dr cocklove just for sheer conceptual bizarreness I, I give it a bit of a bump but they're both very bad <laughs> all right um like okay. I mean, there's there's much to laugh at about these steckler <laughs> nazi pornos but oh sure they are slim and it's just they are bad filmmaking but they are so <laughs> just, it's, it's the car wreck sort of fascination uh, all right well, how's about how's about we do silver bullets then? Silver bullets, all right. That's an interesting yeah. pick. <laughs> uh, all right, so we I have like interesting, yeah, kind of, kind of an, an outsider one. Mm -hmm. uh, you're, I, I don't know if you've ever seen a mumblecore movie before. It'd be interesting to see Isn't what you that think what of it. Primer was so, question mark. It's kind of very like it's more of a sci-fi movie that's very very thinky. It's mumbly, okay. 
in presentation. Yeah. This is mumblecore. This is like a movie where it's just there are a couple people who are in a relationship and I don't know, six months pass maybe and they're not happy in their relationship and they have conversations with people in kitchens where they just kind of talk about stuff and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so we've got five additions to the main stacks. First, uh, from the Ray Dennis Steckler box, we've got the Sexorcist's Devil. <laughs> this was his Exorcist uh, ripoff, obviously. Also yeah. known as just the Sexorcist. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so my understanding of this one is like, it's if Bloodshack were a porno. Mm. It's got narration by Carolyn Brandt that's just sort of dreamy and all over everything. <laughs> There's some people out in like a shack in the desert. There's it's just you know instead of the trooper, you have the the succubus sexorcist bitch. I don't know. It's <laughs> what can <Sure>. I say? <laughs> uh. I want to buy your ranch. Yeah, it's going to be one of those, I guess. Uh, Next, we've got Mercenary Fighters. Uh, It looks looks like a mindless 80s action movie. (laughs) It's it's from that stack. You got Reb Brown. Reb Brown. uh, Big McLarge Huge from Space Mutiny. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Known for going, ah, and shooting guns. (laughs) Uh, This one, he is a mercenary fighter, one of a group of mercenary fighters. They're hired to quell insurgencies in some African nation or maybe South American. I'm not really sure yet. And he, uh, you know, he's doing that. He's killing a bunch of dudes and he's sort of conflicted about it, maybe. But then, you know, he's just rep Brown, so he doesn't have a lot of thoughts in his head. Uh, And then, you know, eventually he meets up with some rebel lady who he has the hots for and she convinces him to join their side. So he does, okay. you know, his ah, shooting at you know, <laughs> the, the other guys this time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Next up is art history. Second in the full moon trilogy sequel to silver bullets. Okay. It's about this director who's really up his own ass and he's uh, doing this low budget sex film with, and uh, the lead actress who's his girlfriend uh, but the co-star, you know, he's I guess he's probably being really jealous and insufferable and he's sabotaging his own production. And uh, so the actress starts sleeping with the co-star instead. Sounds like kind yeah. of the same movie, except this one, they're on the set of just the indie film. And from my understanding, just a lot of real sex. OK. All right. <laughs> Next up, we've got uh, Yule 871. This is the third one in the other French New Wave box, or not box so much, but a set from Canadian International Pictures, the one with uh, Merry World of Leopold Z and Le right. Chat dans le Sac, which I watched okay. a while back. This one, it's about a French guy, a guy from Paris. He's an engineer, and he's gone to see his parents who were displaced by World War II. They moved to Montreal. All right. So he comes to Montreal to just see the sites, and it's just... Him being a tourist in, you know, vivid 60s Montreal and uh, just sort of feeling the energy of the times. Right on. Interesting. Okay. And last up, we've got Escape from the Planet of the Apes, where Cornelius and Zira are two main ape characters from the first two. Uh, And we got Roddy McDowell back as Cornelius because he's the main character now. Mm -hmm. Uh, The two of them and their child escape through a portal in time back to present-day America. Oh, I see. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, it's weird. And, you know, obviously the <laughs> government wants to do research on them and they, they have to run away from government agents and shit. Yeah. Strange ass movie. <laughs> so those are our additions to the stack. So what do you think for our main feature next week? All right. Well, as always, there's all kinds of uh, all kinds of options, tons of different choices and tons of different kinds of choices. So what's something that's hmm, how do I want to word this? What's something a little different? Like what's something that's not part of a series or hmm, or like a genre that we've done to death <laughs> if that question even makes any sense not really to be honest i mean we okay because we, we we have such a broad umbrella yeah 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 we really do don't we uh that's a good point well i randomly uh clicked on one a little bit apocalypse after which is about so this one it would only be it's sort of a representative one because this is only a short film uh, oh, I see. Yeah, it's yeah, only about half an hour long. Yeah, so this is—it's also the title picture in the set. It is all of Bertrand Mandico's short films. Okay, so I think it's like two and a half to three hours of shorts. Uh, so Bertrand Mandico—he's the guy who did Wild Boys and um, After Blue. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. So this is the collection of all of his short films. Okay, cool. Um, hey, do we? Do we want to go through that? Yeah, I'm into covering his shorts. I, I have yeah, sort of held off getting into them because I figured, you know, we did his other ones. We may as well dig into the short films, too. Let's dig into the short films, then. All right. So uh, the Bertrand Mandico uh, Apocalypse After collection from Altered Innocent. I think also from Mondo Macabro. It's like a, a partner release between the two of them or something. Cool, cool. As we'll do that and silver bullets. <laughs> so that's going to be a weird one. <laughs> this will be an interesting one. Uh, some a, a lot of weird arty short films and uh, uh, are your your first venture into mumblecore. I don't know if you'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> it might not. I I tend to like. I try to like everything, but sometimes it doesn't work. <laughs> I I. I kind of half liked it. It's an interesting experience, and I, I think it'll be an interesting one to talk about uh, okay. because it's it's a strange vibe. Uh, the review on the letterbox page, there's a guy named Parker who writes, when Joe Swanberg wraps a movie, he says some shit like, great job, everyone. Parker will hate it. It's one of the most liked reviews on the page. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got that kind of flavor. It's like, if you're not into it, you're really not going to be into it. <laughs> all right well even if hey sometimes even if i'm not into it there will be stuff to say i think there will be stuff to talk about all right so next week we'll be doing silver no not the, the other way around uh apocalypse after and silver bullets so do you have any last thoughts before we uh close for this week I'm just trying to think of a quote from apocalypse now and then tie it into after and it's not going to happen <laughs> uh, ooh, ooh, it was London. <laughs> <laughs>